Welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast. I'm doing something a little different today. I got a guest with me. Hello, sir. This is Alex Mandarino. Me and Steve go a little bit back, a couple of years experience here. And uh, looking forward to, to hopping on the podcast today, talking some hockey. Yeah, so wanted to jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start with Alex Debrinkit. He signed the day of we re- that we recorded the last podcast, so we didn't really get around to it like we would have hoped to. Mm-hmm. But uh, he signed a three-year extension with a $6.4 million cap hit for all three years. AAV doesn't change. There's just one signing bonus at the beginning of the season, and it doesn't kick in until next season. Not so bad. right now he's still on his entry level, which is Great for Chicago. Great, great pickup early on. I mean, great decision signing him early in the season. You look, obviously, last year, 41 goals. His sophomore year last year? Was that his rookie? That was his uh, sophomore last year. Unbelievable. Obviously, you can see a slump, possibly, but not last year. I mean, 28 first year, 41 year two. You can only imagine what the lineup that they have, at least at the top end, that he can continue that pace at, at any point. I mean, he is an absolute sniper, this kid. It's really interesting just because Chicago is already off to a bad start. Yes. And I don't think that's going to last. I think they'll pick it up as it goes on. There's no way a goalie tandem of Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford are going to keep up that historically bad pace. No kidding. It's, it's just, I don't see it happening. And Brinkett's got a goal and an assist to start the season already. And it's only been four games. That's it. For him, anyway. That's it. I mean, that Central Division is is the toughest, arguably, in you know the four divisions this year. We don't know. I mean, you have Minnesota at the bottom. Uh, that I think we can predict early on. But other than that, you have teams like Nashville, Winnipeg. you got teams that are, are going to make a difference. Dallas should be a lot stronger this year. So Chicago should have an opportunity to at least fight hopefully for a wild card spot but when you have a kid like Debrinket locked up for a little bit of money and uh, and have a chance to prove himself I think it always helps the central is going to be a really tough division to yeah. crack I when I was writing for that uh, preview I had a really hard time trying to figure out if it made sense what I was coming out with because <laughs> I, I I remember having Chicago I think making the playoffs and if I didn't have yeah. them making it I had them just missing it because I mean, if anything, the two wild card positions are probably going to go to to central teams, especially based on how the year started this year. I mean, you you could go either way, but I think even as the season started and prior to the season opener, I think we really looked at that and you think you have like six out of seven teams in this division can can make the playoffs. I mean, I think there's a there's an I mean they can't, but the idea of them fighting for a spot in the wild card division is, is always possible. So it can go either way, but yeah, Chicago has a decent chance if they can, if yeah, like you said, Crawford and Leonard, I mean, Leonard with the monster year last year and Crawford being fairly consistent over his career, it, it's got to stay pretty average for the next couple of, of months at least. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the contract itself? for the? Because like I said, it doesn't kick in this year. It goes until 2023. Absolutely. For 6.4 for a 40-goal yeah. scorer, so-called, because he's only done it once. See if he can do it again. I don't see why he can't. No, I don't see why he can't either. I mean, it's progression, right? It's early on, but when you have 28 in your first year, 41 in your second, I mean, it's hard to sustain. You look at a guy like Braden Point signing for the contract that he did. Kind of comparable. I mean, he had, what, 92 last year, and DeBrinkett mm-hmm. was 76, so... Maybe a bit of a difference in comparables, but I think it's a good contract all around. I think based on the RFAs that have happened and signed this past season, it's fairly comparable 
to a lot of them in terms of guys like Matthew Kachuk. I mean, signing for seven for three years and and Debrinket similar. Um, but I think it really gives Chicago a little bit of a break here, and I think it's a solid contract all around. So what I'm hearing is he's going to score 80 goals in two years. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, that's 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 how usually these things work, right? But 40, I don't know. I don't know if he can hit 40. I think he's proven goal scorer in, in a couple of years. I think he can hit at least 25 to 30 on the minimum end of the scale. But I think all around, solid contract for Chicago, and um, I mean, happy for him. I, I think he can keep up the pace. It just really depends on who he who he's playing with. Yeah. Like right now, he would be playing. I'm just trying to find it right now. No. He's playing with Taze and Drake Kajula. Yeah. So Taze is a great center to have on any line. Oh, absolutely. But he's not really known for his offensive uh, ability. He's known for his complete two way game more absolutely. than anything. And then Kajula is. I ha- I've seen Kajula enough to know that his game is very very offensive even though it's not the greatest in the world it's just what got him into the show i guess you could say that's it but it's not the greatest first line but if they got some help on the right side there i think the brinka could easily put up another 40 goal season yeah and i think you're right obviously chicago and, and quinville at least not not this year and the year prior but he's had had sort of a consistent take of separating Taze and Kane and it's worked out for them and obviously when you have like a power play and you put them together you can throw a guy like Dabrinkit on the wing or even at the point I think that really helps out and I have a feeling Dabrinkit's on the first power play unit I'd be surprised if he isn't that's definitely something to look into but he is he's on the back end he plays D Big, 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 big surprise, right? The guy's putting up 40 last year. But yeah, I think it's a great contract all around. I think he has potential to, to hit those numbers. They're very similar to them this year. And like you said, I mean, if, if they can get some, some help on that right side in his line or they mix it up a little once in a while, maybe he plays with Kane. Maybe he puts up a couple assists even. So a great contract all around and good for him. Because they're a deep team on the left side. Because they got Debrinkit, Shaw, Saad, and Smith. Yeah. Like, it's a really good left side. Interesting then, about Smith. Sorry to cut you off there, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Smith, okay. Smith, fourth line. I mean, I mean, he's not a first line player. He's not a second line. Not I can see him on the third, though. I can Ottawa see him on the is. third. In <laughs> Ottawa, you don't have much of a choice. But I can see him playing a third line role. But uh, yeah, you're right. Very deep left yeah. side. And then on the right side, it's basically Kane, Kajula, Kubelik. There you go. Never heard of that. And actually, no, I have. I. I think I've just mixed him up with wow. Cahoon or something. Cahoon, exactly. But, uh, Alex Nylander, who just got traded there, and uh, Yoki Haru. Yeah. That trade. Yeah. That's an interesting one as well. I think I think Nylander got scratched recently in the, that last game oh, or two. Surprised. So not surprised. Not surprised. Honestly. I mean, that's got to be tough when you have a guy like like Willie having the year that he is, his brother, and at least to the start of the year. But you know, it, it it translates, and we've seen this happen before. But hopefully, he can get back to the pace that. He was supposed to set when he was drafted by Buffalo, but again, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yes, we will. So that's pretty much all we can do on Debrinket. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go on to Shen. Eight years, I believe it was. I'm just opening. I it. think yeah. you are correct, sir. Eight years, six and a half million per goes until he he's 28 now. That would make him about 36 by the time that contract ends. Looks good now. Yeah, yeah. We definitely could be talking different. Within five or six years. I mean, once you hit your close to mid-30s in the NHL, you really start to lose your game. That's it. Uh, you know, you look at St. Louis, and once you win the Stanley Cup, you got a lot of clout. But I think this year they've gone in with very mixed expectations as to 
how they're going to perform based on the year they had last year. But, I mean, right now I'm just looking. You have Shen on the first line centering Tarasenko and Schwartz. And interesting to put him up there. But I guess, you know, when you have Ryan O'Reilly as your second center, you can't really go wrong. Selkie winner, Conn Smythe winner. The guy's an absolute stud. But Braden Shen, so the contract itself for eight years, obviously, like you said, long contract. But I think by the numbers that he could put up this year, if they keep him on this first line, and he can he can provide a little depth if you do move him down. He's a spark plug out there. So I think he really helps that unit. And I think he really it's a really good contract getting him signed, similar to Debrinket earlier this year. I'm, I'm not too worried about the Blues. They basically have almost the exact same team as yeah. they did last year with the only difference being like they might call up some other rookies and they tri- got Falk. That's pretty much the evil. Yeah. At the time going into the season, they were unchanged until the Falk trade. So if anything, they probably got better, especially because Justin Falk is playing on the third pairing. Wow. That is a scary thing to look at when your right side is we like, a lot of teams have a hard time looking for right-handed defensemen, yeah. and St. Louis has, or just even a strong right side. St. Louis is running with Pietrangelo, Pareko, and Falk all on the right side. That is selfish. That is just unfair <laughs> to the entire league. <laughs> you know what? Their defensive corp all around, you, you name three of them there, they got Vince Dunn. He's a, sort of an underrated guy as well, somebody you don't necessarily consider when when you're looking at younger defensemen. He's a very mobile guy, can put the puck at least close to the net, and I mean, who else are we working with here? Like Carl Gunnarsson. He's a, he's a leaf in, legend. Yeah, Carl Gunnarsson. Absolute leaf legend. You put him on the, the first pairing with Dion Phaneuf, and he's an absolute wonder. You got uh, Robert Bertuzzo. He's the type of guy, third pairing kind of guy, but can bring a lot of grit to your lineup. And then obviously, you still have Bowmeister as well. I mean, he's one of those guys. Like, you're just surprising that. He's still able to keep up at the pace yeah. he does at his age. What is he, like 36, 37 now? I think so. He's at least 35 plus because he's on one of those contracts. But he is, yeah, he's an older guy, obviously brings a lot of experience. But I think when you have a Stanley Cup run and you actually win it, experience isn't necessarily your first issue. I think it's just the idea of replicating and, and maybe pulling a Pittsburgh Penguins in the past couple of years and seeing if you can if you pull it off again. But you make a great point, very similar lineup. And Falk really only adds to that. But yeah, so Bowmeister is 36. Can't gotcha. confirm that. But uh, going on Shen, I like the deal for the short term. Mm-hmm. But like I, like I said, by the time he reaches those 33, 34, he's probably going to be a third line center caliber player. Yeah. And when you're paying $6.5 million for that, and then when you hit maybe 2027, 20, 2028, $6.5 million for your probably fourth line center is going to be a rough rough thing to deal absolutely if somehow you can find a, if let's say the blues kind of have a downswing because they just signed falk they won't and they won't be able to keep pietrangelo and pareko no after this season i don't think they will if they find a way hats off to them because they are playing 3d chess if yeah. they can do that. Well, even just looking, you bring up Petrangelo and, and the contract that he is in his final year of a seven-year, $6.5 million AAV. He signed that in 2013. I believe he's 29, or I might be a little off on that, but he's obviously really a little close. aging. Very close. I'll give you that. I can double-check that, but yeah. you're really close. Very, sort somewhat aging in a sense. So, like you said, when you look at him compared to Pareko, you might be wanting to stick to the ladder on that one. Just a younger guy who can bring a big shot bigger guy um but you know what Petrangelo he doesn't miss a lot of games he'll put up just under 50 probably at least in the next couple of years 
But you also look at the Blues have RFAs in, in uh, Sammy Blaze, Robbie Fabry, and Vince Dunn for this next coming season. And they have to get them signed. So good thing sort of signing Shen, but still another couple of guys to, to hang on to as well. That's another reason why I don't think they'll be able to keep one of Pietrangelo and Preco because they have those three key RFAs coming up. Yeah. But just a little context on Shen. He's actually leading the team in points. He's tied with uh, O'Reilly with seven to start the season. Wow. It's only been six games, but he's already got five goals. So when you're almost averaging a goal per game, that's how you know you're playing pretty well. Yeah, you're doing okay to start. I mean, I don't think I could score five goals in three seasons in the NHL. So <laughs> Give yourself a little credit. Maybe three seasons, maybe four or five. But <laughs> If I'm playing with Connor McDavid, all you got to do is park me at the backdoor pass area, that's and maybe it. I'll pop a few. In. Yeah, you know, pull a Pavelski, maybe put the stick in the lane and see if you can get a couple tips, right? Yeah, pretty much. So those are the two key contracts. For today so now we're just going to move on to who's not and who's not and we'll start with the hot teams a team i kind of wrote off uh buffalo because i thought their goaltending still wasn't that strong yeah carter hutton was uh, i thought he was going to be a one and done type of deal because he had that one really good season where he practically saved st louis's season but then he was, of course, as life goes, he was expiring That's it. on his contract. So play out of your mind. You get a big deal in Buffalo. Don't have the greatest season in the, in your first year. But now you're really turning a corner. And he's killing it right now. He got a shout-out the other night. Yeah, I think he's leading the league in save percentage right now. I could be off on that. But I know he's really up there and, and very comparable with goals against average. 931 save percentage. Jeez. Goals against, 1.74. That is uh, that is decent, to that, say the dude, least. That's insane. I know it's unbelievable. Are you kidding it's me? Like you're averaging at every basically every game. It'd be like two goals, two goals, one goal, two goals. It's it's that's wild. Insane. I mean, look. You know what though? The thing about Buffalo is. I, I'm the type that I've been on their side for the last couple of years. I've been surprised that they haven't been performing up to the level that I think yeah, right. that they actually can. But we look at their start last year. I think their first 10 games, I don't know if they went undefeated, but they had a really, really hot start last year. Yeah, there was a point where they won uh, 10 in a row. That's the one. And uh, I was a little skeptical for the most part. Yeah. And because I was seeing, like, I was kind of running numbers and things like that. And I noticed that the teams that they were beating were not good teams. Yeah. And the way they were beating them was like overtime, one goal games. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this is going to last. Yeah. And lo and behold, it fell apart. It, <laughs> it they, they, The wheels fell right off the truck. They, they went to the bottom of the league at one point. I think real close to the bottom for the Atlantic division. And... Like you said, I mean, very possible they can sneak into a wild card position if the Metropolitan allows them to sneak a spot. I mean, you know, it can go either way when it comes to those divisions. But I think one underrated factor with the Sabres is Ralph Kruger. I've heard really good things about him as a coach. I heard he's a really a big players guy. And I was listening to a separate podcast that discussed the fact that I think Eichel and him, when they first met, had a solid three or four hour conversation just about things outside of hockey. So you could tell Kruger's a player's coach and he's the type of guy to listen to each guy and, and really tell it like it is. I think he has a pretty big factor when it comes to a team like that. And when you get a new coach, you never really know what to expect. But I think he's having a pretty solid effect and you can see it in the numbers these first six games. Do you remember when the Flyers won 10 games in a row and missed the playoffs? 
It was a few years ago. I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, it rings yeah. a bell a little bit. Yeah. So there was a time where the Flyers, uh, it was around midseason though. Yeah. So it was, uh, it looked like they were going to make the playoffs and yeah. they still ended up missing it. But uh, so the, they were the first team ever to win 10 in a row and not make the playoffs. Buffalo was the second, but they were also the first team to be at the top of the league at a certain point in the season and miss the playoffs. Jeez. It was a really rough year for them last year. So I, here's hope. I mean, I want the Leafs to make the playoffs on oh, the yeah. top of the division, of course. But here's hoping that it doesn't fall apart. Well, look, I think when you start the season, I think every analyst and even just fan in general, I mean, let's just take the Leafs aside, but you go Lightning, Leafs, and Bruins, you kind of sort of scatter them the top three, however you like to place it. That's kind of the idea of what's going to happen this year, although Tampa with not the hottest start, but we really don't have to look into that. But... You know, you have teams like the Panthers who should be making a push. You have the Canadians who could go either way at this point. They're they're two two and two, but who knows? The Sabers can really make a push this year if they if they can keep the solid goaltending and put the puck in the net. When you got a guy like Eichel, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, I'm not too worried about them. They they're beating pretty decent teams. Yeah. Not nothing really too special. Like they beat Pittsburgh on their first game. They don't do that often. No, so that's a big step for them. New Jersey, they killed 7-2. Columbus, they was their only loss, surprisingly. Wow. And it was an overtime. Overtime, yeah. So it wasn't too bad. And then Montreal, Florida, Dallas, all Dallas. wins, and two of those came in extra time. They shut out Dallas. That's... Yep. I don't know if it's hard to do, but when you got Ben Sagan and Radulov at the top. And Pavelski but, now, too. And Pavelski now. Who hasn't played particularly oh, well. He's had a tough start. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a Sharks fan, so it doesn't hurt to see him not perform very well as much as I love him as a player and as a captain when he was with the Sharks. But, yeah, I think one assist in the first six or seven games. So, I mean, tough to see that, but... He, you're adjusting to a new scene, but all around Dallas, really, really interesting to beat them for nothing and you know get the goose egg on the board. But it happens sometimes. I'll leave it at this. Some two, there's two players that have underperformed by a lot of expectation, and the team is still doing really well. Let's hear it. Casey Middlestad only has two assists. Wow. And Jimmy VC six games has no points. See. Middlestad is interesting because he's expected to do a lot this year, second line center type of player, but. VC, his, I can't, I couldn't remember years ago the whole VC watch. and I remember that. Right? And I, I, re- and I remember he was like linked to the Leafs. Yeah. And everyone was like, I swear, he better come here. And then now everyone just doesn't even remember that he was talking with the Leafs. I, I don't know what was going on there, but VC, yeah, you bring him in. It's his second, it's his second team. He was just right from the Rangers. And, you know, obviously change of sceneries sometimes help players, but... He wasn't necessarily the top player in, in New York either, so it doesn't no. surprise me he's not performing to, to any standard, really, but you never know. It is really early, but yeah, it's just funny to look back and think that he was he was knocking player or teams off of his list once a day, and it was like this massive, massive extravaganza, and now it's all for nothing. Yeah, that's pretty much it on VC there. The, they're playing, Middlestad and VC are playing together. No kidding. But, uh... Off to a slow start for that line, but I don't think it really matters as long as you got four, three other lines that are going. That's it. But on to some another team who is off to a rough start, the New Jersey Devils. Oh, man. I honestly thought they were going to have a pretty bad season anyway. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. No. This I, is something else. I think, similar to you, Steve, I agree. I think a lot of people pegged them to, to make the playoffs this year, which is a little bit of a, an overreach maybe, but... 
they just had the biggest off season this year. So I think everyone expected change. Even adding a guy like Wayne Simmons, just he's like one of their 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 the signings this year that nobody really talked about. And then you bring in a guy like Gusev who isn't having the best start to the year. Subban helps every team, whether it be in spark plug mentality just in the dressing room, but even just on the ice making plays. And for a team that's been known to be more defensive, adding players like that help. But maybe it's just not meshing well. And then when you look at a guy like Corey Schneider, he, you know, it's tough to see. Yeah, their goaltending was one thing. When they were making all these moves in the offseason, I was like, okay, yeah, you've addressed things that aren't really the problem, but when are you going to address the real problem in your net? Because you got Mackenzie Blackwood is young. He'll probably get better as yeah. time goes on, but he's not ready yet. No. He's definitely not. Corey Schneider, I don't know what the hell happened to him. <laughs> he was going from a... There was three seasons in a row with the Devils. He put up 920s, and then it turned into 900. Yeah. And then it went down under 900, and then he got sent to the AHL, and then it just kept going down. And it, I've never seen a goalie deteriorate so fast. No, I mean, he's had some injury problems, though, has he not? Is, is that kind of like the main no, issue with him? No, really. really. He's never really been one to get hurt often. I think in Vancouver, he was yeah. hurt a few times. Yeah. But when he moved to the Devils, he wasn't hurt that often. No. But uh, I don't know what is going on with him. But even Blackwood, I thought, would be better than this. Because he had a good se- yeah. end of the season last year. You think. And, and I mean, no wins right now. I think the only the team... The only team and the worst goal differential in the league. Yeah, the only under the only team without a without a W this year, which is just tough to watch. I think I'm looking at that correctly. Yep, I think you got it. A couple other unless teams the, have at least the one, but yeah. Unless the division leader has no wins. Somehow. That's it. You never know. You never know. It's all just overtime a, losses. Yeah, no kidding. Really tough to see them have the start that they're in. I am. I was hoping that they'd have a, sort of a year. I mean, it. They've had a lot of players. Taylor Hall is a guy you really you feel for and. He's had monstrous years in the past, obviously a couple of years ago especially, but really tough to see. And having an 0-4 start is not going to be something that is going to keep Taylor Hall around for very long. So they might have to make some changes. I enjoy watching good players play in the playoffs. Yep. We have not been able to see Taylor Hall play in the playoffs that no, much. We got no. five games in that one series where the Devils made it. Looks like it may have been a fluke. Yeah. And... Was Schneider their goalie at the time? I think he was, because this wasn't too long ago. This was when that. Hall won the heart, I believe, was two years prior. And that was he, the year. That yeah. was the year, and he dragged them in. He really did. It was a race between him and McKinnon, but he single-handedly picked the team up and dropped them into the playoffs. Yeah, and after thinking McKinnon probably should have won it, and then looking at <laughs> realizing that <laughs> Hall was actually the only reason that his team made the playoffs. No kidding. It's actually making a lot more sense that he no won kidding. it. No kidding. Really so tough it was 2017-18 they made the playoffs. John Hines was still their coach. That yeah. That was cool. Uh, Corey Schneider played 40 of those games. Oh, Keith Kincaid. See, he had that monster year. That's that, right. That is one thing we didn't bring up is that obviously the Leafs are a team that you talk about backup, backup, backup. You lost McElhaney. I don't think the Devils really, and you, you said it nicely, Blackwood is, is not ready yet, but he could be the goalie of the future. Kincaid being now in Montreal, the type of guy who I honestly think they lost, they, you look at it now and I think they lost a nice backup with him. I mean, moved around a little, but he's the type of guy who really bolsters that backup role and could take a couple of games from you if Schneider isn't having the season that he's having. And I think they're really missing him now and you can see the stats from it. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the comparison between the 
the deals between Schneider and uh, Kin- Kincaid. Yeah. Schneider has three more years left at six. Uh, and Kincaid just signed a one-year deal in Montreal That's for 1.75. Oh so you're goodness. telling me you couldn't afford one year of Keith Kincaid? Because what what is your team on? 76 million in cap. You got five million in cap yeah. space. You couldn't afford one year of Keith Kincaid. No, I know he wasn't lighting the world on fire last year, but phew, would have been nice to take a chance, probably. Well, did the Devils? So I think Columbus grabbed Kincaid at the deadline last year, yeah, right? They did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, unbelievable. It's a really good point. I mean, Columbus is another team we can get to if we need to. But when we speak to about, about the Devils specifically, yeah, you really lose a guy like that. And it just shows in, in the numbers when you're really having a tough save percentage year. You're having that year where they're just it's not meshing yet. Again, it's really early to talk about. But no wins in six games is not a fluke. There's it's got to be a reason. It is. That's for sure. Like, I'm not saying go out for Brovsky and free agency no, or no. anything. There's other options. Yeah. Like, teams have like one A, one Bs. Arizona's kind of in that situation right now where they have Kemper coming out of nowhere, playing amazing, and Antti Ranta who's just always hurt. That's it. And they That's have the big uh, problem. they have Aiden Hill sort of waiting as a third goaltender there too, yeah. who showed some some numbers. But even a guy like James Reimer, who's having a year in, in Carolina right now. They couldn't have gone and picked him up from Florida. Florida no. wanted to get rid of him. That's it. They they made it very clear they they were going for Bob and they ended up getting him. So all they all Carolina had to trade was Scott Darling, who they were literally never going to use again. <laughs> and then they proceeded to buy him out after it's, they got him. Smart play. I don't see why they couldn't have picked up a goalie like Reimer or just a goalie who was coming off one bad year because yeah. teams are so just knee jerk like that. Teams like Edmonton, even Florida for that. Florida, I can understand a little more because they had two goalies who just didn't play to their standards. Yeah. So they were like, okay, Bobrovsky, please, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> and he's not even playing he's not, that good he's right not, now. He's not having a good year. I have him in fantasy leagues, and he is just ruining everything. So he needs to pick it up. But that's just me being salty. I think he's he's he showed inconsistency in his past couple of years. But when it really matters, he stepped up. So. If there's one thing I learned, it's never pick a goalie who's going to a new team. That's one thing. That's a I really learned. good point. I mean, it's tough when you have a guy like Quinn, uh, Coach Q, coming in, really. But you know, I, I definitely see your point there, and it's proven. It's proven an interesting choice so far. Just picked Montembeau. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> he had a tough. He had a tough game against the Leafs at the end of last year, and I saw that and was thinking, never oh, poor, kid. That kid. <laughs> poor kid, poor kid. He's but young. Yeah. Places to go, absolutely. Uh, so back to the good side, Carolina. Oh, they are. I don't think they're still undefeated, but There's one loss. Yeah, six and one. That's I. I don't know what to say about that honestly. Like, I thought they were gonna be good to start, and just even to. I have them winning the division. That's yeah. what I have, and uh, even with Aho underperforming, this team is still six and one. That's how deep this team is. They have a lot to, to really look forward to. Like it helps when you have Reimer and Morazic doing a tandem, and I think the tandem method with goalies is is proven really working really well, at least with a couple of the teams that work with it. You see Dallas, even though they aren't having the year that they're having this year, last year really proved a lot with the tandem method. But Carolina's having a really good start to the year and just a couple of changes, but you bring in a guy like Jake Gardner who was the whipping boy in Toronto for a couple of years, and and he just bolsters an already pretty solid decor. It doesn't hurt. 
I'm trying to look at their stats. I don't know. Oh, there's Gardner. He's got a goal already and an assist. Out of boy. I'm, I thought he was going to score his first goal as a cane against the Leafs. Just because <laughs> that seems to just how everything goes. That's just how it works, especially as being a Toronto fan. But like, yeah, like you look at this this lineup. They have Eric Hall is a guy who's who's I think Man, came I in and dominated. I can't believe what he's doing right now. He's like, if you told me that at the beginning of the season that ten game seven to ten games in, Eric Hall would be leading the Carolina Hurricanes in goals. I tell you, you're crazy. Five goals in seven games. As a third-line center, that's something you don't see every day, folks. And who's second? Dougie Hamilton. Wow. <laughs> four goals as a defenseman already and four assists. Pick him up in fantasy if you have <laughs> Yeah, that's a hot tip for all the fantasy owners out yeah. there. And somehow he's a plus eight because he's always been known as a minus player who's good at offense. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. I mean, you guys, you have Slavin, you have Hamilton, you have Brett Pesci, Hayden Fleury on the, on the third pairing with Gardner, but... It helps when you have a tandem of goalies that really put put the wins together and have hot starts to the season. But hopefully they could ride that wave. And Sveshnikov on the first line there, he's having himself a time to start. Um, is this the end of his entry level contract? Is this last this year? This is his second. This year. is his second year, so he's still got a bit to, to work with. But he's really stepped up his game. Yeah, and he's playing with uh, Jordan Stahl and Brock McGinn. Interesting. And McGinn isn't even like that great of no. a winger. He's probably one of the worst ones on uh, Carolina. Yeah, well, Tara Vinen, Nekes, Brian Gibbons on the fourth line. Interesting. Um, yeah. Nekes should have a great year. That third line is really good already. Like Having basically Ajo, Stahl, and Hala as your top three is just really, really deep. No kidding. Nino Niederreiter as well. What a trade last year with Victor Rast. Just, I I would say what a trade, but I feel like four teams had what a trade with Minnesota. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, Billy Guerin's got himself a year. He's gonna have to make some decisions. He kind of got thrown into the fire. I'm I'm looking forward to what Minnesota does moving forward. But yeah, I mean Carolina just walked away, just cold blooded move there, and 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 it's paying off clearly in in many different ways. So you gotta love it. Niederreiter was not going to have as not a slow start, but uh, he wasn't going to keep the pace that he was playing at with Minnesota just because he wasn't playing. He was playing fourth line, third line, and basically what I heard is that Carolina scouts had checked him out, and they're like, third line guy who could definitely play first line minutes and contribute. And from what I heard on Minnesota's end, they didn't even look at Victor Rask. They just said, you know, I heard he's good. Picked him up, and he's very bad. (laughs) Well, that's Paul Fenton I just heard. Didn't have a lot of... of, like He didn't speak a lot with the managers of the team and the coaches and the players. He didn't have a great relationship with everybody. So I didn't think he he had a lot of understanding of what was going on there. And it's tough to get rid of a guy after one year, but sometimes you have to make those harsh moves. And clearly there was a lot to, to look at and say, we need to move this team in a different direction. Which is just so weird to see for me is that he worked under uh, David Poyle in Nashville for so long. And he's the longest tenured general manager, I believe, right now with Nashville. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he worked with Poyle for a long time, and then he finally got a GM job. And he was Paul, he was the best G, general manager prospect, I guess you could say, yeah. in the entire league. And after that, it just all went downhill for 14 months. And I've never seen a team go from like, yeah, we're pretty good to... Yeah, we're kind of good, but we're in limbo where we can't rebuild, we can't make the playoffs, and it's going to be like that for like three or four years now. Yeah, that's right. just that's the true 
suffering because at least you don't even have hope for the future at that point. Not right now when you have. I know we just jumped from Carolina to Minnesota. It's going to happen. We probably will have. But these we are back going to talk about them because they're. Definitely one of the not hot teams right now. You have Parise and and Ryan Suter on these massive contracts, both for just over seven point five a year until twenty 2024-25. Like you can't make a lot of you don't have a lot of cap space when you're working with that right now. Projected two point three million in cap space this year, but that's not enough to make any big splashes, and no one's going to take on those contracts, especially when you sign a guy also like Matt Zuccarello to you know. The contract that he signed to, I think, five years, six million per AAV, and good player, and obviously performed a little last year. But it's really tough to see you're signing these older guys to contracts, and there's not a lot of room for movement. And if you compare it to Carolina, just looking at the contract situation, yeah. of, course, of course, Aho is their highest paid player at eight point five, and then next is Stall at six. Wow. And then it only gets lower from there. It's like. Four guys are getting paid in the five range, and then one guy, uh, two defensemen, Gardner and Pesci, are getting four, uh, basically right on the dot. Yeah, just like twenty-five k and fifty k more, and uh, it's just you put they put themselves in a situation where they can sign cheap. Uh, how would I put this? Key contributors on a lower role, like bottom six, yeah. forward, or like even. Uh, bottom, uh, top, top four, top sixty. Yeah, they are able to sign them to deals that are maybe a little more expensive that they might get paid because they have their themselves in a situation where all their su- their superstar is only getting eight and a half for like six years, five years. But uh, either like they're in a really good spot right now for yeah. the future, and I honestly think they'll probably contend this year for a cup. I think they have the chance that they. When you look at the playoff method, it, it's depth. It's obviously goaltending. Defense helps, but when you look at forwards, you need depth forwards. It, it's the way of the world. And Carolina really proved it last year with players stepping up and with looking at the lineup they have now. A bit of movement and a bit of just bolstering of the lineup all around, but they're a team that is sort of looked at to contend. At least playoff team, no question, as it looks at right now, unless they have a major drop-off or they have some goaltending woes moving forward. But... I don't see anywhere but up trending for Carolina and happy for them after a team that, you know, after their their Stanley Cup win 12 or 13 years ago, not much to say about them until recently. Three fun things about Carolina before we move on. Yeah. Carolina is spending to the cap now, which is scary because they got a new owner. <laughs> Good. And he's, they only have one million cap space right now. Good. So they are actually doing what the cap is meant to be for and using it to their advantage now and they're also using this year 8.5 million of that for buyout. Yeah. Which is remember when they bought out Alexander Semin? <laughs> they're still paying for that until next year. Are they really? Yeah, 2.3 for this year and next year. Oh, and they're man. also uh paying for Marlowe's contract just for this year. Yeah. So that's that adds up to about 8.5, 8.6 if you want to round, if you want to be that way. Interesting. And they st- in the top in the first 3 rounds, they have six picks this wow. year. So that is a lot to work with. They got the Leafs one, which is not going to be top ten. No, no, at least no, I would hope for yeah. their sake. That's the plan. Then that's a big problem if their <laughs> their pick is top ten after you know paying 
four guys, $10 million, three guys, $10 million, but, you know, yeah. it feels like that some No days. kidding. It's just tough to, to see. Uh, I'm not even going to get into the Leafs yet. We'll, we'll talk about them, but there's a lot to get into yeah, for But the sure. Leafs are involved in, in Carolina right now just because they have their first-round pick. Yeah. And Carolina will probably have a low pick anyway. And just we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, we Boston had three picks in a row in the first round, and only one of them kind one of, of them, hit. One of them has panned out. He's a good player. DeBrus a good guy. I mean, he's he's he you know brings a little depth and some spark to the lineup. But yeah, Zaboral and Senish Senishin oh, or God, something. It's tough to they, see that. But just both, I don't even know where they're playing right now. <laughs> so yeah, now we can move. Oh, my phone shut off. I have my notes on it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota was the next one anyway, so I guess we can just go right back into that. Oh, Minnesota. Well, they are not surprisingly having a tough start to the year. They have, I think, one win, so they're 1-5 in five and six games. Um, actually, one stat I, I heard was that the beginning of... So their home openers, I think they've had 18 home openers, and prior to this year, they were 14-0-4. So no over, no regular season, regular game losses for the past 18 years until this year, and it's just gone downhill from there. All I have to say about Minnesota is I'm surprised they even have one win. Yeah. Because the team is slow, very, very slow. Like I can't even believe they keep up with teams at the NHL level. I know. Their goalie is borderline bad now. I don't know what happened to him. He's always been reliable for them, but this year he's just deciding – I'm not. It's not his own fault, no. of course. Like he's got a, not a great team in front of him, so that definitely doesn't help him. But their goalie isn't reliable anymore. Their prospect pool is garbage. Yeah, it's like <laughs> there's no nice way to put it. Like I, I like being nice to teams just to. Oh yeah. But they're they got nothing in there. They got. Who did they draft? Right. Well, What's right the now name that the guy I forget his name. They Jeez, have is it so, Trevor Zegers. Maybe. Oh, Anaheim? I think I think he went to Anaheim. I think he, yeah, I think you're right. Now, the the one guy, the one group that I'm looking at, the their prospects that have come up and 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 made a, a bit of a difference. You have Joel Eriksson-Eriksson-Eck. You have Luke Kunin, who had a goal last night against the Leafs. Jordan Greenway, who was a couple, I think he was a second or third round pick. So they're making making do out of players that they have picked in the past, but it's not really working with their current prospect pool, and that hurts when you have such an older team. You need to balance that lineup, obviously. Having veteran presence helps, but not only veteran presence. I think they're the oldest team in the NHL. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so, you know, and, and Jason Zucker wants out, and he's a type of guy who can add so much to teams, but if he's not there, you saw Ryan O'Reilly a couple years ago when he was in Buffalo. He he didn't like the game anymore. He, 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 you know, he fell out of love with the game, and if you have something like that, at least with the team with Jason Zucker and... You know it's just tough to see. So hopefully they can they can make something happen if they do want to move someone like him. But I don't know. I think mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So the, it was Matthew Boldy that they picked. Oh the yes, Zegers yeah, yeah, yeah. was to Anaheim. I was right. Yeah. I was right about correcting myself. You nailed it. But uh, yeah, if if they end up do, trading Zucker, their right side, their first line player would be Ryan Hartman. Yeah, which Ooh. is rough. <laughs> you know, I I really. You saw the game last night that yeah, they played against the Leafs. I did. He that was a very undisciplined penalty he took. Uh yeah, unbelievable. You can't have that. You can't it's, have that at all. It's similar to like 
when we got mad at Kapanen for throwing the stick. That's yeah. And then you compare it to the Hartman thing. It's basically the same it's very kind similar. of situation. Very similar. Why did you even think about doing that? <laughs> Why did that cross your mind? The only thing worse about that is that his own player was on a breakaway. And even if he didn't even touch That's him, he would thing. still be on a breakaway. No kidding. And and you you can have that from a you can't have that at all. But if you have that from a player like Austin Matthews who has 7 goals, and he goes and takes a guy down. You can't have that happen from a guy who, like you said, their best for like a first line player with one goal in six games. And one, you can't have that. Yeah. One thing I'll give them: their decor's pretty good. Oh yeah, they just can't score. <laughs> they haven't been able to score for the past couple of years. Like they're just that team where, oh yeah, they they're in the NHL. Yeah, but yeah, they're also another the type of team this year where when it rains, it really pours because <laughs> when they get scored on. I, there's a really bad trend where I, I don't remember how many times it's happened. I think it's been three games so far this year. They've conceded four goals within a short period of time. Oh, wow. And yesterday was one of those games. So it wasn't just the coincidence that the Leafs just did that. That was something that has been a problem for them the last little bit. Like, uh, they beat Ottawa. Oh, that's right, because Stalock stood on his head. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why they haven't... Well, like, it was a back-to-back, so I understand why they didn't start him last night. But uh, I think Staylock is probably going to get more starts now because Dubnik hasn't won a game, hasn't allowed less than four goals. He uh, Staylock had a shutout in one game. Yeah, and... So why not? No, I point? agree. Staylock was the backup in San Jose for a bit. Solid backup. I mean, the type of guy... He didn't play a lot. I think he was on the Leafs. Don't know if he ever got a start with the Leafs when he was with he the was. team. He was with the Leafs. Yeah, I, I know. Very him. random. Very random, it but... Like a po- it was either the Polak trade or the Reimer trade. I'm pretty re- sure it was the Polak. <laughs> I think it was the Polak trade. Um, no, but- it was Reimer. It was Reimer. Because Polak was uh, two second-round picks, and everyone was like... How did they get two second round picks for Roman Polak? Roman and then they Polak. traded Ry- Reimer to the Sharks, and it was just for Stalock. Yes. And they're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so Stalock, I mean, he's had a decent record when it comes to backup in San Jose, but hopefully they give him some starts because Dubnik was interesting. He, you, you are freaking out over there. What, what are you looking at, Steve? Oh my God! You want to know who's leading the team in points? Please just give it Four, to me. Three of them are at the top. They're all D. Their oh, top God. goal. Their top guy, Brad Hunt. Wow. He's their sixth line defenseman. D. Yeah, four points, two goals, two assists. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's tied for the most goals in the team. Yeah, he is. Who else do we got there? Do you have? Do you have? Prize's got two. Zucker's got two. Kunin's got two. Other than that, Brad Hunt also is leading the team in goals. Wow. I mean, nice. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, not much else to say. Look, I, the one bright spot, and this was Bill Guerin's first move when he came in, was signing Jared Spurgeon to seven years. They gave him 7.5, just over that AEV for seven years, $53 million. I don't, I don't know if it's an overpayment necessarily, but he's the type of guy who has been, he's undersized as a defenseman, but he brings so much grit to a team who they need some type of entertainment value. When you have guys like him, and you brought it up earlier, they have a defensive core that is underrated with Suter, Dumba, uh, Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen. But that was a big move, signing a guy like him and a step in the right direction. But other than that, it's it's really tough to see that that green team do their thing this year. And Suter's still not even that bad of a player right no. now. He's a good good defenseman. Just having him locked up for till he's 40 is a problem. How long was those? Those deals were like 15 years with Parise and Suter, I think. Yep. They were, was, I think it was 12. 12, like okay, that. yeah. And it was... Parise and Suter were going to be a package deal regardless. Like, they they went into free agency being like, you get one of us, you get both of yeah. us. 
and they, it was basically their whole sweepstakes. Yeah. And now that time has passed, about oh, has it been like six years now? I think yeah, so. Yeah, we're halfway through them. Oh my god. Halfway through that contract. That's unbelievable. That's hard to <laughs> swallow. You hate to see that. And uh, I like this. I don't. I don't like the Spurgeon deal. No, what like, am I talking about? I I didn't like it either, and I hate. I hate when I hate on deals because when guys get paid, it's nice to see when they they performed. You know, the, but we're talking in a pure team perspective. Team if perspective, we were, it's tough. If we're talking about player contracts, we are no wonder the Leafs would be our favorite. No, team absolutely. If we we're talking about just players, but uh, if we're looking at Spurgeon, the deal kicks in when he's thirty. Yeah, and that's it's the thing. Seven point five until he's thirty-seven, and you still have Suter. Yeah, it just doesn't make. S- it, why wouldn't you go short term? I would. I would have. I gone, don't get it. I would have thought to go short term. I guess Spurgeon wanted a long term deal, and maybe you figure when you have a guy that is a staple in the lineup, and he wants what he wants, but you can't set a precedent, especially when your main problem is long term contracts for older players. It just. It's so weird to me. And you I have just... look, Miku Koivu is in the last year was five point five deal. He's thirty six. Are you gonna give him an eight year deal? I hope not. I hope to God. They I don't hope give him. you don't do that. So are, aren't I don't they in know. a spot where yeah, they only have two million in cap space, so good luck even signing Miko Koivu to yeah. one year. Yeah. I mean and unless they... he takes a pay cut. Well they have he probably new... will just honestly I would if think there's so. if there's one guy I think that would probably take it, it'd probably be Koivu. Yeah. But just to play for one or two more years because he's retiring. So I anyway. think they'll give him. They might give him, or he might want. Excuse me, maybe one or two years, like you said. They still have Luke Coonan and Jordan Greenway as RFAs this upcoming season, and uh, they. I don't really know. They haven't done a whole lot. They're pretty solid second and third line players, so I don't think they'll have to worry too much. The, the Wild will about making a uh, sort of a splash with their signings, but. That's the one thing I guess they don't have to worry about are these signings. But if they can can move some players around and make a little bit of cap space and maybe pick up some draft picks as a result, doesn't hurt. Uh, Kunin has, is pretty good from what I like. He had a pretty good game last night. I was yeah, actually, he did. Paying attention a little bit, he was able to get open in times where there was a lot of openings. And uh, Greenway, I don't know enough about honestly. No, but I don't think either of them are gonna break the bank when it comes to RFA signings. No, but just a fun thing. Kevin Fiala's making three million a year for this team, and was traded for Michael Granlin, who was basically their sixty-five, seventy-point guy. And Kevin Fiala was scratched last night. Yeah. Healthy scratch, not an injury. Just healthy just... scratch because they felt like he wasn't contributing <laughs> enough. Yeah, he he's still young. I mean, when I, I he's twenty three years old, but like you said, Granlund is a proven point getter. He I think in Nashville is their second or third line center. He might be on the wing at this point, but I think very he's a good pickup. Right I think he might be the wing. Well, when you have Duchesne and Johansson, it makes sense. They like, why not? Why not Stack move him on the side? Come on, but just because you can at that point. And like Nashville's a team that's just they they've made some fantastic moves. Shout out David Poyle, but. Yeah, th- that's just a fleecing when it comes to some of these trades with Minnesota, and they Fenton really put them in a tough position. So, I I really root for teams that can make opter- opportunistic changes, but the Wild are kind of bound, and good luck to them, really. So I think we've ragged on the Wild enough. Just a little. <laughs> it's a little harsh at this point. So we'll move on to Colorado, who are the final undefeated team in this, in the league, and. Boy, have they had a few gems of of players 
that they've just picked up. Burakovsky oh, yeah. has been absolutely phenomenal for them. He's finally found his game. Yeah. And all he needed was a change of scenery. And look at him go. He's already got five points, two goals, three assists. McKinnon and Rantanen are right back to where they left oh, yeah. off. Landis Cog up there as well. And now they have killed McCarr just feeding everyone. That guy is unbelievable. He's playing now with, what is this, Mark Barbario. Interesting. Okay. Is he really playing with Barbario? He's playing with Barbario on the second the second unit, Gerard and Eric Johnson on the first. Now, where's Timmons? I thought he was up there for a bit. They may he have sent, sent him down. down. They sent him down. Yep. Fair. Um, you know what, though? The, the, it was funny because I was looking at the the Vegas bets of... The odds to win the cup this year, I think Colorado, I don't remember their exact numbers, but I think they were fourth or fifth in terms of who should win the cup. And it was, for me, like, I didn't understand why they had such good odds this year. I knew they have a lot of young players, and when you have a guy like Nico Rantanen, although I think these numbers came out before Rantanen did get signed, but obviously assuming he gets signed, they've made some fantastic moves. You have Nazim Kadri as your second-line center, who was underused in Toronto for an obvious reason. You got a couple guys that you may not have heard of in Matthews and Taveras, but regardless, they have players on this team that are really going to contribute. The depth is unbelievable. Grubauer is, is having, obviously, a decent start, and who really knew? I mean... Perfect, 3.33. They signed him for a couple of years. Unbelievable for the far start for the Avalanche. It's funny to look at the second line of Kadri Donskoy and Burakovsky because if you have three new guys trying to play a new system, it yeah. should not work out that no. great. It's worked out really well for them. Yeah. And Bur- like I said, Burakovsky's found his game. Kadri has scored in, I think, the last two games straight, or th- maybe three. Yeah, he's oh, got two games because he's got two goals. Can't he's score, got... You can't score two goals in three games <laughs> and have a goal-scoring streak. You could try, though. He, he's got uh, four points in five. Uh, Donsko's got three. And, yeah, like you said, Burkowski's having a year. Really good for him. When you're playing with guys in Washington, I, he's probably just underused and, and sort of sit behind the scenes when you have Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom putting up numbers, Tom Wilson, guys yeah. like that. But yeah, Burkowski, point per game right now. And as your second line, that's fantastic. Arguably, you know, you have Landis Cog, McKinnon, Rantanen as the first or second line, and the best line in the NHL, arguably comparable with, with Boston's first line there. But not surprising, they're 5-0, and oh, I think, but... I don't know, that central division, like I said, is deadly, and Colorado right now is right at the top. I'd honestly argue that uh, Landis Cog, if you switched him with Donskoy, you would make the team even deadlier. Yeah. it's like, Donskoy playing with McKinnon and Rantanen should be fine, and Landis Cog playing with Kadri and Burkowski. Imagine that. Donskoy, he's shifty. He was, a, he was a shark for the past couple of years, and I think he played on the third line a lot. Or he, yep. no, he, Yeah, he played on the third line a little bit with uh, Thornton and Sorensen for a bit. He's the type of guy who, he's a smaller guy, but he's very shifty. He's going to move around. He's going to get the puck towards the net. They healthy scratched him last year, fun fact, on his bobblehead night. Kind oh, of unfair. That's, so that's a tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, but... And probably not super happy for himself, uh, and that's maybe why he, he wanted out of there. But well, marketing team was marketing probably team. <laughs> not happy. It's a tough look for them, but regardless, I mean, I hate you know ragging on the Sharks, but you lose a guy like him, and they're having a tough start to the year, but Donskoy really is, is going to be a spark plug. He's 27 years old. Not the worst contract for him, but he's going to have himself a year, I hope, with, with guys like Kadri and Burakovsky on his, on his side. 
it's so crazy to look at like these lines. They're not ranked very highly, but no. a lot of them are just playing out of their mind. Yeah. And I honestly think that Ger- Gerard Mc- and Makar are probably two of the best young defensemen in the league. Yeah. And if not, they are. And they're on the same team. And watching Makar play in the playoffs, he was the difference maker in that Calgary series. He was flying yeah. the entire five-game series. He would not stop. It was basically just an assault on the defense of Calgary. <laughs> it, Bednar put them together, Gerard and, and Makar, for a bit, I think. And that's that's an interesting move. I mean, when you put two young guys, especially Makar, literally playing his first set of NHL games in the playoffs, how do you expect that? But It's, it's so weird. I just never ever would have thought that Makar would come into the playoffs and be probably the MVP of that Calgary team for that series. Yeah. Or Colorado, not Calgary. He's, he's the most valuable. I think Calgary wishes, but Calgary wishes, but it's just. I, I was trying to think of a way you could call what, what would you call Makar you know, on Calgary's side. Oh, like just, I, yeah. <laughs> someone you don't like, just some acronym. I couldn't even think of one on the Who spot. Who knows? But we try sometimes. Well, but yeah, I'm. I'm clearly the most creative person I know. So <laughs> that guy has so much confidence, though, and. He exudes it when he's making plays and being as mobile of a defenseman as he is. He was playing that playoff series like he was. He's been in the NHL for four or five years yeah, now. Yeah, and he, that was his first, his first game. He scored, and he was noticeable all over the ice to oh, the yeah. point where I was like, "Oh, he's a defenseman." I thought he was a forward for half oh, yeah. the game because I didn't. I didn't know a whole lot about Makar other than oh, he puts up a lot of points in uh, college. Yeah. So we'll see how that ends up going. No kidding. And he was so involved in the play in the first game of that series. I legit for 10 minutes thought he was a forward. Yeah. And he didn't even think twice about it. No kidding. That kid moves around like crazy. Look, and even this draft, I'm just, I was just thinking this this draft for Kale McCarr's year was stacked. You have Heischer and Patrick was second overall. You never know with him. Heiskanen, third overall. Then McCarr, then Patterson. I mean, like, unbelievable. This draft is super weird because at the time it was considered a not good draft yeah. year. And then it kind of just turned into you're not going to get your big, big superstar, yeah. but you're going to get a lot of elite players coming out of it. Yeah. It's sort of worked out that way. We're just waiting on Patrick at this point. I know. He kind of do something. I hope for his sake he, he can too. pick it up. I, I really liked it, watching him play in Philly when he was first getting going. Just It's such a hard thing to watch him struggle, yeah. especially with injuries. He's had that problem ever since junior hockey. And, and that was the main reason I think the Devils didn't pick him. Yeah. Because he sure... And Patrick were kind of pretty close to each other on the oh, same yeah, level. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you take the guy who plays 82 games rather than the guys that play 60. Especially when, more. when there's not that clear-cut difference like McDavid and Eichel. And this is no slight to Eichel. But when you have a decision made, it's obvious. But when you have those top two, very similar to the Hall and Sagan draft. It could have gone either way. but And obviously Sagan plays more of a, cent, a center role. But regardless, I mean, you take the best player in the draft. And at that point, it was tough. But... When you you bring it back to Colorado here, and we talked about Gerard and Makar, and they just signed Gerard for was it seven years at five mil cap hit? It's a really good deal. That's a great deal. That's a really great good deal. <laughs> defenseman. When you look at, I mean, Shabbat also got a great contract from Ottawa, and Ottawa made a great decision with him. But to get a guy like Gerard, who may not put up fifty or sixty points, but who's going to be that guy in the back end who's mobile? You've seen a spin a random spin a random move that's unbelievable. He's going to be a good defenseman for another couple of years, and he's still only 21 years old. And they got their starting goalie who's young, which yeah. is something they've needed. Varlamov was good, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't going to be there forever. No. 
So it was good that they struck on Grubauer when he was available. Because now Varlamov is, what, 35 almost now, I think? Around there. I think he's a little younger, but yeah, good good move. He's struggled the past couple of years there. He, he has been in and out of the starting goalie contention, and Grubauer really stole it. And so it's going to be the point where if he can perform, this team has the sky's the limit, really, for them. All right. Uh, quick final thing. How old do you think Grubauer is? Just without okay. looking. Without I, looking. I thought he was old. I'm... I'm going to say 26. Oh, you were close, 27. Ah, okay. I, for the longest time, I thought he was like 24, 23, just because he was a young goalie yeah. when he uh, moved to Colorado. And I th- apparently he was like 26 when he moved to Colorado. Yeah, well, so. I remember him in Washington and backing up, but you didn't hear a lot of him because there's this guy there that you may have heard of, Holtby, who's done okay. So yeah. obviously when you have him, you're not going to get a lot of... of of love when it comes to playing, but yeah, you don't really need another starting goalie as no. your backup, do you? No, you do not. But I love. I, I'm actually one of my favorite things to see are goalies who get that chance, right? Like Martin Jones in San Jose, who arguably hasn't had the greatest past couple of years, but when you have him in Bernier in LA and Jones performs and they get that shot, or you get guys like Cam Talbot who get the shot in Niami, or it's not Niami, um, Anti Ranta who get the shot in. In, in in I guess Arizona now, but it's nice to see these guys get that shot, and hopefully Grubauer can can hold it down for them moving forward. All right, so let's move on to the final not hot team. And just a quick disclaimer: podcasts are going to get a little longer just because the season has kicked off, and there's a lot more to talk about other than just contract signings over and over and over again because that got a little dragging or you know re- repetitive. Yeah. Just talking about that, so it's going to be a lot more hockey talk. Good, just good. not numbers and contracts <laughs> and no trade clauses or no move clauses. A lot more. Uh, oh, this guy's playing lines and that, all that. You love that, but it's good. Anyway, we're going to Dallas oh, as the man. final not hot team, and I didn't think this would start off like this. I, this is the surprising one for me, Minnesota and. Uh, who was the other team we talked about? We talked about uh, the Devils. New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey was surprising how bad they started. I mm. thought they weren't going to be that great in general. Yeah. Minnesota was not surprising. I thought they were going to lose all of the game, all their games, other than the fact they played Ottawa. So, there's a gimme at that point. Yeah, no kidding. Dallas, I don't know why this is happening. No. This team greatly improved this offseason. And it wasn't like they completely retooled or overhauled the team. They just made additions. They yeah. didn't lose a whole lot. And this team has only won one game. Their decor, uh, other than Polak going out early in the season, yeah, that was is tough. pretty much unchanged with the addition of Sakara. I, I don't know what is happening. And no, and like no, it, that's there's not much to say. Like I look when these this happens last year, Bishop and Kadobin had a great tandem, and I spoke to that a little earlier. I mean, right now, Bishop has a 248 goals against average and a 910 save percentage. That's not horrible. You can I, definitely win it with those numbers. I have him listed as an 895 save percentage and a 2.78. Maybe I'm looking at last year. That could be totally be my fault. Well, in that case, that's awful. That's not very good. That's with, really bad. this year, 3.59 and 877. That, so, I have that one. There you go. That makes more sense. I must be looking at last year I think Dallas year, played last night. So it, I think it changed. Fair. They could have just switched a whole lot. And, and they lost, was it 4 nothing to Buffalo? I don't know if that was last night, but I think that was one of their latest games, oh, and that, that doesn't help anybody. It might have been last night. I can check that out really quick. But 
All I know is that I have Bishop listed as five games. How many games is he, is he listed? He said four, so that's that's four? the one. Yeah, that right. makes a so whole lot of sense. He had with a that bad contract. game. He clearly had a bad game. I, yeah, I don't uh, know. Monday was the 4 nothing game. That's tough. Okay. Well, there you go. And and so you, you have that top line of Sagan, Ben, and Radulov. It's tough to see that if those – you know what, though? If those guys don't perform – it's tough. Your top line guys are the ones that get paid to do their job. And you look down, they have some hidden gems here in Rupe Hintz, who's had a really good start, and Radic Faxa. But right now you have Pavelski, who's a pickup who, I know he's 35, but hasn't sh- showed really no signs of slowing down in the past. And he's a proven goal scorer. He's disgusting in front of the net. He's the tip master. But he's got nothing going for him right now. He has one assist in seven games. I think the main problem right now is that he's not playing with the guys he needs to be playing with. Yeah, he's playing with Faxa right yeah. now. But I'd rather him play with Hintz and Yanmar, yeah. who have been playing really well right now. And does Corey Perry really need to spend time on the second line? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. Like Corey Perry right now. I'm going to start on your name just so I can find it. Why is he not listed on this I was going to say, I don't think he's played yet. I don't think he's played a single game this year. Why? Okay, that's really weird. That is very strange. Yeah, they ha- Daily Faceoff has him listed as a second line right wing. No, I and... agree. I'm, I'm looking at Cap Friendly myself. It says he's on the second line right now, but it, it looks that he is a game-time decision moving forward. He's got a foot injury. Oh, yeah, okay, that would explain a lot, because HockeyDB just doesn't have him listed at all. Okay, like, so... Did I go like, to another <laughs> dimension, and Corey Perry just didn't sign with anybody? No, you are 100% right. Obviously, okay. our sources are, are right, so we're okay. I mean, you know what, though? Why not move a guy like Pavelski up? I, I don't even see why you don't throw him on the first line and move Radulov down, just for a game or just for a couple shifts, and see if those big boys can get it done, because... My goodness, like when you have those shots and you have those playmaking abilities, you just put Pavelski in front and he can put a lot, you know, he can he can do a lot of damage for you, but really tough to see the start to their season. They have the decor that has been lacking in the past, has really stepped it up this year and just tough to kind of see that they they haven't really had the the best start when you got a guy, especially Jim Montgomery who's player's coach again and the guys oh, yeah. have to play for him. It's one thing I am very wary about that I'm just looking at now. Dallas has 10 players at the age of 30 or above. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a trend you don't want to find yourself in. No. Because as the NHL goes, it just keeps getting younger and younger and faster and faster. Oh, yeah. And once you get older and play the sport for a long time, you start to lose those legs. And you're, when your top players are Radulov, Ben, and how old? Ben is 30 now, and Sagan's 27, so he's on the, you know. The prime year. Yeah, right this is it now. right here. And uh, Klingberg's twenty-seven too already. Where are the years? I go? know he's Holy. a he's a he's a good. I mean, he's had a slow start points wise to the season, but he brings that presence on. The, I think he's a number one D in my eyes. He's got a lot of potential moving forward, but he really kind of settles that decor, and I think he's going to be a great um, mentor to a guy like Miro Heiskanen who. He's had a slow start points-wise again, but for a defenseman, I think he's going to put up 40 or 50 this year. I have a strong feeling about the kid. And he's in his second season, you know? And the same thing with that 2017 draft classes. He's going to bring a lot, and it's just some time for these guys defensively to get into the game. But you really like the look of this team, and if the tandem of Bishop and Kadobin could really hold their fort down, I mean, they're 32 and 33 years old respectively, but... You know, goalies don't the age doesn't affect them as much. They're 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 really strong and proven goaltenders, and 
hopefully it picks up for them because they they should be performing a lot better. I was trying to look at maybe like Star's social media if they have the lines listed. I'll check their Twitter actually. Yeah. Because I don't know why Pavelski is listed as the third line winger because if he's playing on that wing. That is a crime against him because I completely agree. Hintz and Janmark are playing really well, and imagine if Pavelski was on that line as well. He'd be—I don't think he would be struggling like he is. And if he is on that line right now and he's still struggling, there's a big problem. That is a proven issue as it stands. Yeah, this is weird. Oh, okay. So the morning skate today, Perry was skating. So, okay. And he was skating with Hintz and Janmark, and that's why he's listed as that because it just updated from an hour ago. Even so, though, like I—I I have no. I don't know why Perry like no no slight to Perry he's had an unreal career but we've seen him slow down and I don't see why you wouldn't have Pavelski up there playing with these guys he's got the legs for it and obviously a bit of injury trouble last year in the playoffs but shouldn't affect his skating ability I think that was more so an upper body I think he got hit in the face so it's just it's upsetting to see a guy like that who comes in and might struggle on a new team but you put him with guys that can play and I think he's gonna perform. It looks like Pavelski was playing with uh, Sagan and Dickinson, so there's not a whole lot of excuse for why that may have been happening. And Hintz was playing with Ben and Radulov. That's interesting. So it's it's weird to see that Hintz has five points and then Ben and Radulov only have like three and two. Or two. Yeah, two and two. Never mind. So. That's kind of weird to see. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Dallas. But again, it's early. Yeah. You never know. I, I honestly don't really know how to diagnose the stars at this point. Because no. it's just, I don't think it's going to last. Ben Bishop is not an 8.95 save percentage no, goalie. not at all. He's an injury-prone one, but he's not a bad one by any means. No, when he's on, he's on. It's, I just, I don't know what to say about this team. Because, yeah, they're not playing really well. Do I know why? Not really. No. Nope. They don't. Yeah, they got shut out by Buffalo, but Buffalo has been rolling through everyone right now. And you know what? It's only six games. They, they've been they're, absolutely, and they've been they've been in games. Now that I look at it here, like they so their first game is the Bruins. They lost two one. They lost three two to Dallas. Four three to the Red Wings. They won four three to the Caps, but solid W. They're losing games by one for the most part, except for that debacle with Buffalo. And Buffalo's right. hot, they're hot right now. So I think it's just a matter of, of Dallas finding ways to claw back either from being behind or putting an extra goal in the net because I think they have they have an opportunity. They're, if you're losing games by one goal, it could it, you know there's a reason why you're losing, but there's also a reason why you're in games this whole time. So I think it's just a matter of time before they get hot and just tough to see them start off like this when they had such a high ceiling. I hope Ben doesn't de- deteriorate like he did last year and yeah. only put up 50 points for the rest of his career because that's honestly a big shame because he's a phenomenal player on both ends of the ice. And uh, Radulov getting up there too. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing him slow down. But yeah, either he, way. It happens. But maybe someone should, maybe one of their GMs or owners should start yelling again. Eh? Oh, that seemed to work pretty that well. That seemed to last work year. last year. Somebody get mad again. Let's see some more controversy in the NHL. Let's see something happen. <laughs> Ugh, that's such a nightmare. I don't even want to What deal. a disaster. It's just a gong show. I don't know why that worked so well, but if it works, it works, I guess. Sometimes. So go for it. That's it. Sometimes, I mean, what? what's the saying? A clock, a broken clock is, is right twice a day. So sometimes weird things happen, and and you, there's no explanation for it. But, you know, good luck to these stars because I'd like to see mm. them. It's right twice up. a day, so maybe that's the second time that's around. That's it. Maybe the and second time work. around. That's it. 
And worst yeah, case, third time. Third time can't do it a third charm. time, though. Can't do it a third no, time. No, you can't. Because it's only right twice a day. It is, but there's also the third time is the charm saying. So which one really is right? I mean, Dallas has hopefully one chance moving forward to pick it up. But... And uh, four is the magic number. Oh, what? Three, We're in trouble. Four is not the magic no, no. number. No, no. Dallas like, is fine. It's three and seven. Dallas but... will be fine. Yeah, you're right. Don't they'll worry. pick it up. Yeah, and, and I think uh, moving yeah. forward, they'll be okay. So we're just going to move. Towards Canadian teams now. Let's do it. Call the, we'll just call the se- segment tentative title the Canadian Roundup. I like it. I don't know why I called it that, but I just thought of it and so- thought it sounded nice. It's simple. It's to the point. Yeah. So we'll start with Ottawa because they made a pretty good trade. I, I've i heard mixed feelings about it, which yeah. surprises me. But they got uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov from the Rangers, who had been historically struggling yeah. with the team ever since he was traded from Tampa to the team. And... Basically got rid of a guy who was never going to play for them, and I think it was his name was Nick, Nick Ebert. Ebert. I know yeah. his last name was Ebert. Yeah, Nick Ebert. Nick Ebert. I knew his last name was Ebert, but I didn't uh, couldn't remember his first name. I think I was calling him like Brian. At one point. <laughs> it's a it's some name that yeah. is you know used a lot with uh, with NHL caliber players. Brian Ebert. Brian Ebert. But the uh, Mesnikov has had like I said up and down years most of his career but then once he hit new york it was a lot of down yeah and it just it was never really going to work with them it's that it happens yeah that's the way it works with teams sometimes if you look at some of his seasons with tampa went from 16 points in half a season brought it up to 35 for a full which is about what he you would have expected 28 and then he started playing with stamkos put up 44 and 62 so when Tampa was making making a playoff push, they got Miller and McDonough in one trade, and Nemesnikov was involved in yeah. going yes. the other yeah, way. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, the thing with Nemesnikov was I think Tampa understood that the only reason he was putting up 44 points in 60 games was because he was playing with Stamkos. Right. And, yeah, he's young. He was very young at the time. He's I. He was 25 when he was traded. Yeah, I think So he he's... had a lot of upside to him still. And he's... Uh, tw- no, he wasn't even 25. I think he's 26 He now. was like 23, 24 yeah. when he was traded. I think he's now 26. Yeah, he's 26. And uh, put up 31 points in the full season right. with New York. Not what they would have expected or hoped. You were ex- I, The expectation was most likely 55, 60 points. I think that's pretty good. So he's a pretty, pretty low compared to what they expected from him. Yeah. I think when when I think it's a great trade like yourself. I'm surprised to see people or hear people not have the biggest uh, or not be the biggest fan of this trade. But I think it's great pickup for the Sens. Their their motto, their slogan this year are is the kids are all right. They they yeah, know I what they're that. playing. That's a pretty cool one. I like that. You know they have. Colin White, they have Drake Batherson. You guys, even like Nick Paul, you just signed Shabbat. You have a stud in Brady Kachuk. You're not looking for any more of this young talent. You might be looking for a guy who has a bit of veteran presence. It's a depth move for the Sens. Like you said, they're getting rid of a guy who probably isn't going to play. Nemesikov has four points in three games. He's playing with Connor Brown and Anisimov, so... Not all bad. All needed was a change in scenery. That's it. That's Sometimes players need that. And a lot of people are forgetting that like you can trade players again in the same season. Oh, yeah. And if he puts up the point production that he's been putting up with Ottawa to start his, his career with the Sens, he's going to bring in a pretty decent haul. I think so. Especially when you only gave up Nick Ebert. Yeah. And then if you go into the trade deadline, 
teams become a little more desperate for depth and players that they might need. And if Nemestikov fits into the role for someone, you could definitely get a good deal, even if he only plays for one season for you, yeah. or even half a season. I completely agree. Like You're playing with guys that are younger that you have this opportunity for. A player like Connor Brown is was underutilized in Toronto. I'm surprised he's not getting top-line minutes in Ottawa myself, but... If you're getting points on that line and, and you know you know what you have in your team this year in Ottawa, bringing in a guy who maybe has underperformed based on the talent that he has, but you're bringing him in for a depth role and you're bringing him, him in to, to create that veteran presence, I think it's a good pickup all around. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that Ottawa is only $7 million away from the cap, but then you realize they have three guys in IR, and I don't think yeah. they're on LTIR, so it no. doesn't expand their cap. And... Two of those guys come off the books, and that is more than $10 million, I think 11 or $12 million for just two guys oh, that are beautiful. coming off the books. And Nemestikov isn't going to demand that whole lot, even if he has only oh, one no. good season, because you can easily argue that you're streaky, you had one good season, had really two really bad ones, and then you had one more good season with us. Yeah. How can we know that you're going to do that again? So you could definitely get him for one or two more years at a pretty cheap price. I completely agree. He's at, what, Nemeskov's at 3.2 for this year. So very similar numbers, hopefully, if they want to sign him again, especially if he's going to perform at this level. And, this... The, and the whole thing is that Tampa, uh, not Tampa, the Rangers actually retained seven, uh, 750K of that, oh, there of you that go. contract. So I, it doesn't really affect the trade a whole lot because no. it's only 750K in a retention for two teams that aren't really pushing the ceiling, the Rangers are pretty close, but they're them saving seven, or retaining seven hundred fifty k isn't a huge deal for no. them, I'd imagine. And it's only for one year. Not a lot of money to hold on to. I'm gonna do a little experiment here. We have an unprecedented number of UFAs and RFAs coming up for, for Ottawa. Um, you have so yeah. UFA Bodker, Nemestikov, Pajot, um, is it Schwartz, uh, Ennis. Scott Sabrin, um, the Scott Sabrin. You got Ron Hainsey, Bor- Borieski, Demet. Like, so many of these guys are UFAs. And I'm not even to mention Chris Tierney, Connor Brown, Duclair, Nick Paul. They have their Jeez. some of their cores signed for next year. They still have, you know, they just they picked up uh, Colin White and Thomas Shabbat with great deals this year. Doing them before the season started was a great, great caller, at least really early on. But some of these guys next year, they'll have the money, but... It's really not even depressing, just scary to think, what's our team going to look like next mm-hmm. year? That That's a big... It's hard to see, especially because yeah. you got Tierney and Brown and Duclair at uh, arbitration. Even Nick Paul yeah, has arbitration. Say, that's wild. So you aren't going to pay for what you want. You're going to end up meeting in the middle most of the time yeah. on what uh, the, ar- the arbitrator is going to give because I don't remember the last time an arbitrator even kind of favored any any side. No, it's usually pretty, in the middle. Pretty even. But uh, And then you have all these RFA, um, UFAs, pardon me, that basically make up the core of your team. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. You got really good prospects in the system right now. But at the same time, it's you need vets. And you can't just make a team all of rookies and no. expect them to grow. No, no, absolutely not. It's like icing a junior team against an NHL team. 
if they get killed every night and there's no one there to like really support them and they're all getting down, it's just going to be awful. Absolutely. Like, and even like Craig Anderson's UFA next year, 38 years oh, old, boy. this might be his final year, but all you have is you have Anders Nielsen for another, another year after this one. So if they signed him for one more year, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Too mad about I that. wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I, I would. I don't know. I just think, like you said, arbitration rights for Brown and Tierney, who I think are going to have big years. I'm going to call it now. Brown's going to put up a lot of points. I think he's got the opportunity now. But he put up 20 goals in his rookie season. There's yeah. a reason he did that. And uh, him playing on a bigger role than he was going to ever be given with the Leafs, just because the wing depth on both sides is incredibly deep. Yeah. And Connor Brown isn't good. Still, probably isn't good enough to make the top nine of the uh, of any of the lines. No. But in Ottawa, when he get he's given an opportunity, he's gonna do well. Absolutely. It's not a matter of oh, it's because he's bad. It's because the team he was playing for was just too good. Yeah. And it, they didn't make it out of the first round, of course. <laughs> that's you a, know, that's a no we, for another day. But we don't yes, work. I'm just gonna say that under my breath, practically. <laughs> but it, the the way. Brown's going to be fine. Yeah. That whole team is going to be fine this yeah. year. There's not a whole lot of expectation, and they're going to improve. Absolutely. I didn't give them enough credit when I was predicting. I honestly thought that they were going to be worse. But like the more I see them and I'll watch them, I'm like, you know what? They're probably going to be better. Yeah. And I don't doubt, doubt them as much as I did last year. But we'll see how it goes. That's it. Move on to... Canucks, let's do that. I like it. Uh, Bo Horvat. Whoa. Bo Horvat. There we go. Bo Horvat. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> anyway, Bo Horvat has been named the next captain in Vancouver Canucks history. I forget what number. 14th. 14th? 14th captain. All right. 14th captain in Vancouver Canucks history. Really cool ceremony. Oh, yeah. I really like the way they did it. I like how a lot of teams are doing it now. They don't announce it in a press conference. They yeah. announce it in like the home opener, and it's a lot more fun that way. Yeah, it's nice. It was nice to see. It, it, like they actually had that ceremony, so that was really well done. It wasn't over the top, but it was it was a nice ceremony, bringing out some of the past captains. And I also saw sort of an internal video of the dressing room when Travis Green and the team was announcing his captaincy to the team preseason. And he made a quick speech. Henrik and Daniel came in, presented them the jersey. And you could just see the guys they knew. I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that Bo Horvat was their 14th captain. I'd be surprised if they handed it to anybody else, to be honest with you. But really good, really good ceremony and it, clearly it worked they lit up the kings that night eight yeah. two unbelievable they've been playing pretty well they're not a bad team and i think they're are they playoff bound though steve that's the question that's a oh that's a really tough one like yeah. i still have to write about the pacific division because yeah. like, i got behind with school and all that no, it happens. To, the metro article is coming out probably today awesome. which is a wednesday a little bit of a this, hint this isn't going to come out on wednesday this will be out on friday there you most go. likely so uh yeah, by that by the time this goes up, that article should be up. But I still gotta write the Pacific, and going in, I'm trying to base it on what I thought going into the season because I don't want to be more biased now that the season has started. I'll probably still have Edmonton near the bottom of the league, yeah. even if with with that start, I probably still have them lower. Yeah, I, I don't but know. It could be either way. To for the Canucks, it's so weird in the fact that if you look at who they have signed, it's. The guys who they have long term are all old, and they are beaten down. Yep. Bottom six guys, 
and like top six defenders mm-hmm. who are getting paid way too much money. And uh, this is an old team that's on the average age. Yep. They don't have a lot of guys who are way over 30. So when they do have guys who are over 30, it's like 34, 34. So it's going to bring the average up a little. Absolutely. But they don't have a. Pedersen is 20, the youngest player. And then next is like 22, 23. Not a whole lot of 22 year olds. No. But I. I don't know. I think it's a little soon for me to even tell. I agree. The, this this was the toughest team, one of, to, to predict, because the decor is actually pretty decent. Like Edler, Myers, Tanev, Stetcher's coming to his own recently. I think so. Jordy Ben's a nice pick, uh, pick up. Just having your bottom six, but he's for two years, which is weird. I thought it'd be for just one. Yeah, but you never know. Thirty-two years old isn't too bad for defensemen, but. And he's he's proven what he can do, but yeah. And Quinn Hughes oh. is pro- my favorite player to watch right he's now. He's a stud. He, I was watching his, my goodness, every time he was on the on a shift last season when he came and played, I think, uh, 10 or so games. He was so noticeable. Like, it's just crazy yeah, he's, uh, watching he's him play. Very mobile defenseman. Great pick all around. And surprising to see him surpass a guy like Ole Ulevi, who is still in their, their minor, minor affiliate with uh, Utica. But they've got a couple of these young guys coming up. They have, like like you said, it's a weird mix because they have these young guys like Besser, like Horvat, and obviously Quinn Hughes, unbelievable. And you can't forget Patterson, but they have these guys in place who are going to sort of mesh with and, and make their, their future very bright. And on some underrated guys here, when they signed JT Miller, I think a lot of heads were shaking, and he's he's done okay so far. Yeah, he's, he's actually done really good. You're playing for the first what line, I was right? Expecting. Yeah. The I thought he was gonna just you know be another role player for them because in in Vanc- not Vancouver in uh, Tampa, yeah, he kind of just played second fiddle to whatever winger and center he was playing for. Yeah, and he's kind of like their digging guy because he was he's a tough guy, but. Uh, it's worked out really well for them. Yeah. He's, I don't know where it's coming out with all this, all these deflections in front, and he just played really well for them. He's their leading scorer, seven points in, in in five games played. Surprisingly, but it works clearly. <laughs> Whatever works for them, I'm not even going to complain. Honestly, not at all. Bester's playing well. Pedersen's playing great. Yeah, Edler's on fire. Tanner Pearson, I really liked that trade. Yeah, I was huge on Vancouver's end. I was a huge fan of that trade. I, I agree. Thought, and ever since he's joined that team, he's been putting up almost a point per game pace. Yeah, he's he's the type of guy who he fits that system. He does. So he perfectly. fits the system really well. Travis Green has has really performed as a coach. He's gotten them out of the the lower tier of the league, and obviously it helps with good draft picks. But Pearson's a guy who fits in perfectly. Second line winger. He playing with an established guy like Horvat who'll throw his body around. And he was just a leader. And when you have that second line looks like a third line in terms of also having Furland with Horvat and Pearson, but it's a great second line when you look at it. And, and, and they're performing. The thing with Vancouver and the playoffs, that we, the central is really, really tough to beat. Yeah. And if anything, I don't think they're going to make the division spot. And I can that's just what no, I would think I right now. I don't I think agree. they'll make a division spot. But if it comes down to a wild card, it's still going to be tough because the worst central team to make the playoffs is going to be like third place in the Pacific. I know. So that's where I think they probably don't make the playoffs. I think they probably miss it by like five points. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good bet. I don't have them making playoffs myself. They're just it's just too early in the stages to to say or to even understand like you have these young guys, but do they have enough? And who's even in net right now? They have Thatcher Demko and you got Marstrom. So Markstrom is way better than anyone gives him credit for. I, I think so too. Still, but still not this established number one though. But no, I wouldn't say so. He'll give you. He'll give you. You know the amount of games that you need out of him. He'll give you probably forty or fifty, maybe minimum. And then you got Thatcher Demko coming up, who could be a really, really solid number one, given the opportunity. But. Yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team in the future. I don't know if necessarily now is their time, but they've they've had an okay start, and they've got the pieces in place. Okay, so I haven't talked about Edmonton and their uh, hot start because I wanted to save it for the the whole Canadian uh, Absolutely. spiel. But uh, I mainly want to talk about James Neal oh, yeah. and the fact that this deal was the real steal James Neal. I, you stole that line. I had that written down. It is very much the real steal. Beat you to it. I'm glad it got said in general because it, it, there's literally no other way to put it. Eight goals in six games. He has more goals than Lucic has shots this year. <laughs> I, I love that. And he has, you know how many points Milan Lucic has? Take, <laughs> take a guess. One? Zero. Zero. Okay, I didn't want to be rude and say zero. I thought zero, but. Pretty much any guess you would have had would have been generous. Yes, absolutely. Look, so I mean, we'll get to Calgary. Also, I think they obviously won the deal in in a, in what they wanted out of James Neal. I think it, it. I don't think anybody proved the dividends that they would get out of him early on would be this high and would be this impressive. Really, I mean, already surpassed his point total last year. Remember though, this is a guy who has been a plus 20 goal scorer every year in his career, except last year. And last year he shot under 4%. There was absolutely no way he was going to do that again. It's not possible. Players who shoot under 5%, even under 10%, you should always bet on them to do a lot better because there's no way that's ever going to happen. Absolutely. Because it's just crazy to think a player shooting 5%. So it means he's taking a lot of shots, but he's just not scoring. Yeah. Eventually, one's going to squeak in. And look, when you have him playing in Calgary on the second line, he's playing with Mangiapani and I don't know who's... Is this Lucic? No, sorry. This was this was last year when Neil was playing with oh, Mangiapani gotcha. and he's playing with someone else. But regardless, he's playing with players who not... Again, no slights to these players, but they're not Dreisaitl and they're not named McDavid. And even now, I think he's playing with Yurko and, and Nugent Hopkins, which I think is a slight improvement. And the guy's an absolute stud. You know he's going to put up points. He's just not fitting into a system where he's brought into Calgary last year and he's not used as a first-line winger. And that's what he is performing to and that's what he's proven he is. Yeah, they just updated the lines, to uh, I think, about an hour ago. Cool. And uh, Neil is playing with Nugent Hopkins and Chiasson. Gotcha. Not a phenomenal line, but Nuge, no. Nuge is very good. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chiasson is also good for what he's been brought in to do. Absolutely. And he, he's not a phenomenal player by any means, but as a player who comes in for a specific role, he scored 20 last year, I'm pretty sure. $2.1 million cap hit. That's not bad for Chiasson. Honestly, like he's one of their better players for yeah. like bang-for-your-buck kind of players. He... Is has helped James Neal score eight goals, so that's cool. <laughs> that's and, uh, you know what, Newt Nuge as a second line center fits perfectly. He was first overall pick, and I think the expectations early on in his career were high, but 
he he's playing to exactly what his ability is. He's great for that team as a second line center behind behind Connor and and when you have guys like Leon and Connor McDavid playing to their ability, the sky's the limit regardless of who else you have on the team. Absolutely. But Mike Smith, that's another storyline. He's got a nine seventeen. Yeah, nine seventeen, two point five one, I think at least is for his first four games, but great start. I mean, good for him. He's made that Koskinen contract look not bad. Yes. So that's good. I know, and that's good for Edmonton. Tough to look at, but when you have a guy like like Mike Smith performing and, and shadowing over a deal like that, it's it looks really good for this team. Okay. And a lot of their bad contracts are actually starting to come off the books soon. And hopefully Ken Holland doesn't go crazy like he did in Detroit yeah. and sign people to ludicrously long <laughs> and expensive deals. Because if anything's going to hurt them right now is that the fact that they're just getting out of a really rough period and they have an opportunity to salvage it. Yeah. And if they screw it up, it's going to be awful because it's going to be even longer than last time. Because McDavid's contract, yeah, it's 12 and a half, and it's going to be a steal for Connor McDavid no matter what regardless, money you give yeah. him. But it still takes a big chunk out of your cap regardless. And you know what? Even this 8.5 AAV for Leon Dreisaitl is such a steal as well. This yeah, guy's I remember when we were talking about that as if it was a bad deal when yeah. he first signed it. And then he yeah. got 100 points, and they were like, what are we talking about? It's it's ridiculous. I never I mean, said that. <laughs> no one ever mentioned that ever. But that guy's unbelievable. And putting him with McDavid, you almost don't have an option because those guys just produce points. That is what they do. And it takes a lot of heat off of him moving down to the second line when James Neal is putting up the amount of points and the amount of goals that he is to start. So really, this is the start you wanted to see in Edmonton. And in Edmonton, excuse me, and... It's nice to see them have a really good start to the year. Does it last? I don't know. I don't think so. Steve, I feel like it's, you feel the same. It's funny because I don't think it's going to last. No. So it's going to be fun to see if it does last. Edmonton in the playoffs is actually fun to watch because I actually enjoy watching Connor yeah. McDavid play more I hockey. I think we all do. I just enjoy watching him play hockey in general. So playoffs is even better. Oh, yeah. But uh, if anything, the goaltending has to stay like right the way it is. James Neal has to keep scoring. Because if they're going to rely on just the one line to continue, because Dreisaitl and McDavid both have 12 points already, yeah. and Neil is leading that uh, that second line right yeah. now. If they are going to succeed, that second line needs to keep going at the pace that it is at right now, and the goal attendant needs to s- stick up for itself like it has been. Yep. D can do whatever the heck it wants. As of right now, it doesn't it, matter. It's fine right now. And I don't... Edmonton isn't really known for having the strongest decor. I no. mean, they're play, they're paying Brandon Manning $2.25 million, And this is the guy who broke Connor McDavid's collarbone. <laughs> that was so funny. I wonder how that locker room is, right? I can't believe they even traded for him. I know. That's hilarious. That was so funny when I saw that. <laughs> and I can't remember if they ever signed him to an extension or anything. But when they picked him up, I was like... I think I recognize that name. Yeah, no And kidding. then I looked it up. I was like, oh, right. He's the guy who broke Connor McDavid's <laughs> collarbone. Sure, this is going to go That's well for Edmonton. Out. I yeah. think, you know what, though? This year. Edmonton Oilers, their saving grace is the fact that they're in the Pacific Division. Cause oh, yeah. It's, it's very top-heavy. The Golden Knights are ridiculous. Um, the Flames have a chance this year. Sharks originally had a chance. We never know. It could go... Very poorly for them because they don't have they're not the same team they used to be, but the I Oilers I don't know I think I think you're right and that's wise that does Edmonton sustain this this hot start does it go sideways 
I never want to feel bad for, you know, a Canadian team, but you just never know. The thing with San Jose is if it gets its power play going, they're fine. Yeah. As soon as that picks up, I wouldn't worry about it at all because then they'll be – they should be scoring at a pace of one – if they get four opportunities a game, they should be scoring once. Yeah, I agree. And if they keep that up, that's basically adding another goal every game. That just brings your confidence up. You keep getting better. They're going to get better. Yeah. And Edmonton is not going to make the playoffs. No, no, no. Let's <laughs> just on a completely unrelated Put a note. stamp on that, eh? I, I don't think they're going to make it. No, but I agree. if they did, I would uh, – I don't know. I basically would stick my foot in my mouth because that's, that's what it. I just did. But uh, you're happy for any Canadian I'm definitely team, but... if, if they make it, I'm I definitely root for them. I was yeah. rooting for them when they made it that uh, one year, and I was a little salty when they blew the three goal lead. But you know, it's the refs' fault. Oh, hey, they beat Always. the Sharks too that season, so right. that playoff. Yeah, so sure. I, I wasn't super happy. But Canadian teams, you gotta love it a little bit. All right, so going on to Calgary. Not a whole lot going on over there, other than the Kachuk and Doughty feud just continues to get more and more that game nasty. Man. That game Tuesday night, it was in Calgary. Yeah, Dynamite. it's an okay. Three points for each player, like wild. The two goals and one assist for Kachuk, and vice versa for Doughty. But the finish where he scores the overtime winner, it's wild. It's like this is a great intense matchup for the NHL. Have you seen the lip readers for Doughty after he scored? No, but I did it's sound... A, it, it's a bunch of profanities. <laughs> it looked like, yeah. Stuff you shouldn't repeat to your kid. It, it looked like he was super fired up. And good, I mean, good for him, but he's... He took... Like, Kachuk has, has a permanent space in Doughty's mind, but Doughty won that battle. <laughs> he's, he's living rent-free. He's living rent-free in there, and Doughty won the battle, and Kachuk is a gamer, so he said, no, we're not done. We're not... You know, this feud's not over. We'll see. And then this Saturday night, it's in, you know, it's at the Staples Center again. So this is this Saturday? This Saturday oh, night, October 19th, baby, in LA. If I can catch that game, I got to watch it. Yeah, it'll be probably a 10 o'clock start, but I think it'll be okay. Oh, I, I'm, I always stay up for those games. Yeah, I think you have to. If I'm home on Saturday, I'm <laughs> That's watching true. them. That is but, true. Uh, either way, it's definitely probably going to be one of the biggest wins for the Kings this year just because. We're not really expecting a whole lot from them. They're going to start going through a bit of a rebuild, retool. Yeah. And uh, right now, they'll take any win they can get, I'm sure. But especially against Calgary. Because right now, it's kind of a rivalry between two players that I think might turn into a rivalry between two teams. Hopefully. Which would be super fun. Especially Especially, because they're in the same division. Exactly. The Pacific Division, right? And that's what Gary Bettman wanted to do when he, he changed the playoff format. And he wanted to get those rivalries. And if you can get them started in the regular season... That's even better. Playoffs is it's funny because it kind of peaks and then the off season comes and then everything kind of goes down. Yeah. Everyone kind of be, not become friends again, but like you know they forget things. Yeah, and absolutely. Just, after four months, you don't really want to kill someone as much, you know. Not as much. unless your your name's Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves, but that's a separate. They, issue. they will go at each other forever. Like it's just until the end of one's career. Exactly, and even then, you never know, right? Like Ryan Reeves is going to become an analyst, and he's just going to talk crap about Evander Kane <laughs> for the rest of his hockey career. I would love it. Uh, those two make me laugh. The, look, the Flames this year are probably going to stick around a playoff spot again. They have yeah, the lineup for it. Wouldn't surprise me. They have the lineup. They ha- when you have you know last year, Elias Lindholm, one of the biggest steals, not even steals because. 
You could see sort of highlights in both sides of the trade, but getting Lindholm and Monaghan in the same trade was unbelievable. A Hannafin? Was Hannafin in the same trade or was that separate? It was Hannafin. Monaghan has been a flame for a Yeah, sorry. Did I say did I say him? I meant Hannafin. Hannafin and and Elias Lindholm in the same trade is is wild. But when you have Goudreau, Monaghan, and Lindholm in the same trade, that's that sorry, in the same lineup on your first line for Calgary, that's unbelievable. And Kachuk's second line, that's wild. But when you have the depth, you have the depth. And David Riddick left off or picked up right where he left off. Yeah. Not left not the vice versa. That no. would make a lot of sense. He's okay. And uh, same with Lindholm. He's already got five points, seven games. I, He wasn't that good in Carolina. I didn't think he was going to no. end up breaking out like that he did in, in uh, Calgary. I was lucky enough to pick him up in one of the fantasy leagues. So good for you. That was good. Hot start. I didn't know that. He was actually, I think, fifth overall draft pick in his was year really? with Carolina. Fifth or sixth. I can check that right he was, now. Yeah, he was the same fifth. draft. At, yeah, same draft year as Horvat. Because I remember that whole, con- not even controversy, but the trade with Schneider and the ninth overall pick. Guess who went right after Lindholm? Oh, I know this, but I'm not going to guess. Sean who was Monahan. It? There you go. Yeah, yes. see, I knew that. I knew that it was someone, like, prolific. That's, That's pretty good, right? I That's mean, super funny. Right next to each other. They're literally next to each other on the scorecard. So, very good. Perfect. Yeah, so uh, not a whole lot of news coming out of Calgary. It's been par for the course. Pretty good team. Plays pretty good. And they had that one rivalry game that they just had. So... I think we can move on to what I wrote down as Winnipeg D equals bad. Yes. that that We could honestly leave it at that and move on, but obviously we wouldn't be a hockey podcast if we did that. But I really want to read off some of the names of these Jets defensemen because I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah. Like, you have Morrissey, okay? Morrissey's proven. And he's hurt right now. And so he's hurt cool. right now. You have Pullman, Dahlstrom, Pionk, which is a great name to say. Batetto and Dmitry Kulikov, who who's had a little bit of praise here and there, but like that's it's bad when Kulikov is your best defense. Yeah, well, look look at last year. Look at their defense core last year. Like it took what a happened? Big big turn. Like they lost Tyler Myers, Truba, Bufflin, Sharat, Sh- uh, They lost everyone. Yeah. I understand that you were trying to sign Line and Connor. Yeah. But you still have six million in space. Yeah, I know, and I get the fact that you have Bufflin under the suspension. So that's uh, how much of that is gone. That would be seven, not six. under rigid reserve. What would even be listed? Suspended. suspended without pay. Yeah, so there seven you know. six seven point six for this so year. So that's gone. That helps. And he's it also does. expiring. Uh, no, he's not expiring. This Two year. years. Yeah. Yeah, but either way. You, it's just so shocking to me that the the Buffalo situation helped with the signing of Line a and Connor. I agree. It's just crazy that two players expired and all of a sudden this whole team yeah. has shifted. Their their defense is nowhere near strong enough to make no. the playoffs. Hell of Buck is good. Yeah, he needs someone in front of him. Uh, yeah, you you can't you can't. You have like look. You're absolutely right, and he's a good he's a good goalie. He's not. I don't say he's top ten. Um, I wouldn't say he's top ten, but he's up there. But you can't rely on just Morrissey to like you said to 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 bat, to bolster that defense right. core. You need somebody up there, and he's facing a lot of shots right now, and he's making a lot of saves. So yeah. he's really stepped up his game. Yeah, 
and boy, they need it. And he's pl- and Winnipeg hasn't been all as bad as we all thought they were going to start no. off as. Look at their. I mean, look at. Okay, so Line has twelve points. Good for him. That guy has on. It's, it's his year for him to perform. Shifley also has twelve. They have and and they even have like Blake Wheeler. You have Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers. Um, it's a good forward group. Uh, and Jack Roslevic's a guy who's underrated, who has four points in eight games. Nothing special, but he could be a guy who can step up and put the puck in the net. And so you have these guys that can perform, but it's hard to get. It's hard to win games all all year six five seven six. You need that defense. It's funny that one of their defensemen is. I forget what pick they had in the past draft. It was like maybe 20... It was between maybe 17 and 25. Right. That player that they picked is already playing in the NHL because their decor is so slim yeah. and thin. You have to do he it. He had to play because they literally didn't really have anyone else. I know. It's tough to see, but sometimes you have to try your best. Pittsburgh did it in, what, 2016, 17? When they won and they... They had like Dumoulin as their best defense. Yeah, so it's and Justin Schultz and came Justin out of Schultz. Nowhere. Yeah, it's possible, but not with guys who have literally like less experience altogether than a guy like Dustin Bufflin in and, one player. So and Nathan Beaulieu is on IR too. That's it's difficult, and a player like him you wouldn't think makes a huge difference, but when at he's injured point, now, oh yeah, it does make a big difference big at this point. Big time. But they played better than we all thought they were going I think to. So four and four. So, uh, you know, so I mean, we thought they were gonna go like two and six, one I think and seven. So. We we all thought that they were gonna struggle to start off, but uh, they've been pretty decent. Do they make the playoffs though? No, <laughs> no, they do not. I don't. If they, if a decor that week makes the playoffs, I would be shocked, I know. and I would really reconsider what you should really start building your team around in the NHL. I agree. I look, looking at the Central Division standings, you have the Avalanche, Preds, and Blues. I think that stays the way it does. I think Dallas pushes for a contender spot in the wild card, and then it could either go 4-4 four and four between the Pacific and Central. The Jets could claim a spot. I just don't, I don't know. I don't the thing with it. the Jets is they're if, if they do make it, it's because they score their way into it. Yeah, of course. But other than that, I can't, I can't see it. No, no. But, uh... Good luck to them. Hopefully Big Buff comes <laughs> back. I've heard rumblings that it's not over with. He could come back here and there. But, you know, when you have, what is it? Their penalty kill is 69.2%. It's not fantastic. And you can credit that to guys on the decor that are inexperienced. But good luck to them because it's going to be tough with a decor like that all season. All right. So two two more to go. We got Leafs right now. Yeah. And not a whole lot going on. Everyone's talking about oh, Tavares, Marner, and uh, Riley have really been slow. That all changed last night. Yeah, oh, Riley man. just added four points, and then Tavares had a goal. Marner had a goal, and you look at their stats now. All of them are pretty much averaging a point per game. Yeah. So this so-called slow start that everyone's been talking about is kind of non-existent. Yeah, I agree. Like. This team is is going to be good. I mean, they, they should be. They should be good. They're going to be good. They, you know, it's a tough start. The Leafs sometimes have bad starts, but they always have a slump within sometime during the year that's over overhyped by the media. There's always a time where they're struggling. Every team goes through it. Mm-hmm. And they're going through some growing pains in the sense that they they get new guys in like Kerfoot and Mikhaev. And then you got a decor who's a couple of new guys working together to kind of get the job done. But you look at this lineup, and I don't think there's any way that they can they cannot perform up to at least par with what they did last year. 
honestly, this bottom six is probably one of the best that they've had in a long time. Couldn't agree and more. Fred Gauthier is really coming to his own as a fourth-line center. Yeah. Even after he had that major surgery, not this offseason, this offseason before, and somehow got faster. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> so, get it. So, honestly, that's just something that really shocked me, that he was able to really come back and get so much better compared to what he was when he before the surgery. Yeah. Where he was basically a borderline NHL player, and if he was playing in the AHL, he wasn't playing a lot of minutes anyway. No, because he's a similar player wherever you put him. But he's earned yeah, exactly. the trust of, of Babcock, and he's and a, lot a of staple. Fans too. He ha- absolutely, and rightfully so. He's a staple in that fourth line. However you want to spin it, Spezza is not on the fourth line right now. He's not playing, but... That's just going to be something that they always kind of bring yeah, in and out, because they course. can. The, the, they are basically a five-line team at this yeah, point. they are. Where they can bring in... Even a guy in the AHL, if they had to, they they had Patan down there for what two games, yeah, and then they brought him up, and they're carrying the one extra D and then two extra forwards. They have themselves in a position where they could just swap out those two forwards the entire time and have Gauthier just center it. Absolutely, it's it's very and it possible, be, and it, he can play with all four of them too, which is just because they're not out there. Sure, a few goals would be nice here and yeah. there, but like they're not out there like. They're not put out there to be like, go score. No, no. If you're going to do that, you're going to put out Tavares and Matthews. Absolutely. And those guys will perform. Nylander has had five points in seven games to start and much better than last year. Really, really well. Good for him. Sure, he has his moments where it kind of looks like he's a dog in it, but, you know, it's just late shift. Yeah. That's just how anyone goes. But when when he steps onto the ice, for like 40 seconds, he just flies yeah he's a spark plug on that lineup and now that he's had the training camp and the start that he's had he should perform a lot better when you get thrown into a lineup last year obviously you don't know what happens when you don't have that that uh that training and in that start and even a guy like trevor moore this guy's gonna if they put him with that lineup and they keep him with Tavares and and marner he needs to stay there yeah i agree kapanen is on his offside he's already on his offside like it doesn't any line he plays on at that point is just kind of nullified. Yeah. And he isn't a guy who goes into corners and digs out pucks. No. That's what Hyman did. And to think Kapanen was going to do well on the line, it's just speed. That's yeah. all. That's what his game is. Moore is all over the place. He's in corners. He's in front battling. He's everywhere. And he's the, the most notable player on the ice almost every night. Yeah. And he is perfect for that line. And even if Hyman comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if Moore sticks on that line. I agree. And then maybe even Kapanen <laughs> sucks, but he might get moved to the fourth he line. He might. I, the, one of those guys has to. They, they have so much forward depth that somebody has to play in the fourth line. It was Brown last year. At one point, it was Marner a couple years ago. That was way back in the day when Babcock was just, just throwing things out there at one point. But he, yeah, he, I mean, someone's got to go down there. The real big question is: is they obviously playoff team, but do they surpass Boston as the second seed? Do they stay third? It's a tough call. Yeah, but right now, what I can say about them, when it comes to players that they are bringing back soon, Dernan and Hyman, who are both on LTIR right yep. now, and they're gonna have to move someone, and it's gonna have to be a trade of at least. Three million. Yeah. So that's when Hyman and Dermot come back. Because Dermot by himself will only require about 860K yeah. worth of cap, which Not isn't bad. a lot. You can Not easily bad. 
send someone down from your decor and put them down into the AHL. Yeah. And maybe even two guys because you might have yourself in a position where every dollar matters because currently they have a projected cap space of zero. So <laughs> Not surprising. They find a way to make it work, I guess. Cap hell is fun. Yeah, no kidding. But, but either way, once Hyman comes back, someone has to go, and my money is on Cody CC. Yeah. And it's not because I think he's been bad. I think it's because it's the only move that kind of makes sense. I agree. You don't want to separate the, a lot of the forward core when Hyman comes back. Yeah. If you do, you're probably ending up trading Kapanen. Yeah. Janssen, I think, I think is better than Kapanen. I agree. Personally. The only thing is, is that, like, I guess Kapanen being the player that he is is going to garner a lot of interest, but you got to trade a guy when he's on his high, not his low. And right. teams have probably seen he's not had the hottest start, but he is still a player that could probably garner some interest. And if you're looking at Cody Cece, four and a half UFA next year. Yeah. Someone's going to take that. Yeah. Even if, like, it's, I doubt it would be Ottawa. That would be super funny. But <laughs> if Ottawa just traded him, Put him to back. get him for one more year, just to give him one final year in Ottawa before his You'd UFA years. But either way, if he stays in Toronto, even after this year, it would have to be more than four and a half. Yeah. I doubt he would take a pay cut to stay. And they have a lot more D trouble to work on too, and and he seems like the odd man out if anybody. I honestly think they resigned Muzzin. I'd like to see it. I think they do. Barry is going to command a lot. I don't think just... they keep him around. Unfortunately, I'd yeah, love to see him stay, thing. but Barry is one that I don't think they'll be able to keep. But uh, Jake Muzzin is one I think they will. I'd like to see that. He's a, he's a good player. And they got Sandine Lilligren and. Uh, What's the guy? Dermot. That's the other guy. They're going to be literally okay. Just talking about it. They are going to be okay. What I'm hearing is the uh, Sandine right now is playing with Lilligren. Yeah. And like the, I wouldn't say it's the rumor. It's kind of like speculated that when they get one of them gets called up, the other guy gets the call up, gotcha. and they're still going to play together. Ooh. So, I like. Basically, that. you're calling up your third pairing. Yeah. And That's true, and I mean they're young guys, but Sandine has shown a lot of good spark to start i mean i saw him live one of the games in the preseason really good player i mean he's aware out there and he's risky but he makes really good moves and just a matter of time before he gets his, his real shot yeah i think they're gonna be fine, be I, fine. i'm not too worried about playoff the team it's six games yeah or not even seven now but uh four two and one is a pretty decent start not the worst start for the leafs for sure and i wanted to go to montreal there's yeah. not a whole lot to talk about them no. before like you said to me before we started recording, Drewen is hot. Finally, I know they needed him to get going, and he finally just started going. <laughs> and uh, like once all the trade rumors started, ever since then he's been on fire. But uh, there's yeah, not a whole lot going on with that no, team. They're, they're two, two, and two. It's casual Montreal. That's what we expected. Um, Tatar too. He's had five points in six games. I mean. Finally kind of found a home, hopefully, because he's been moved around a little bit, was highly touted when he was playing with Nyquist in Detroit, and they kind of had to move them both and, and retool that lineup. But it, It's funny, because when Tatar was in Detroit, I don't even think they really had to move him. It's just the Vegas offer that they got was so generous that yeah. they just they had to. Like yeah. First, a second, and a third for Tatar. That's actually a big gorgeous. Yeah. And then the fact that they grossly misused Tatar, because he only works... 
as a guy who plays in your top six. Yeah. If you weren't going to put him there and you were going to put him in your checking line, you were putting him in the wrong place because he does not throw body at all. Absolutely. So with Montreal being able to get him, Suzuki, yeah, and a pick, I think it was a second. That's really good. They made out like bandits against Vegas. They did. And Vegas, for as much credit as we do give them for how well they've started, I think trading-wise, they've been a little questionable. Well, they're at the cap now, which for Vegas is surprising that it's, they would ever get there this early. Because the way they, they made the team is like a lot of the guys were kind of expiring soon. Yeah. Like Marcheseau was expiring. Carlson, Carlson expired twice on them already because yeah, no they signed him the one year one to year. bet. And it worked out for them that they signed him the one year because yeah. uh, he didn't put up a season like he did the first one. Which is to be expected. Good for Vegas, though, because yeah. the, the one-year bet sometimes doesn't work out for teams. Sometimes it works out really well, and it worked out really well for them. Yeah. But uh, Montreal on that on that end, everything's kind of subpar yeah. right now. It's not nothing special. But uh, if anything, I do think it'll get a little better. Yeah. After, especially after that that game 4-1 Leafs. I know, I know. Oh, that's that a is. rough one. There's always one of those each year with the Leafs, and it's mostly early on. I remember the Jets had that a couple years ago, and Line A put the dagger with that slap shot in yeah. overtime. That was unforgettable. Look, Montreal is is bubble playoff team. They could perform the same as last year and just miss or just get in. But if it's, you have guys like Max Domi stepping up too, it helps, right? But it's really a coin flip. I yeah, have- it is. Personally, I have Domi having a big year, and I think maybe, if anything, it'll be a make or break by one point. Yeah. That's how much they're going to miss or get into the playoffs by. I know. And it's going to be with, they're going to compete probably with the Rangers for that last spot. Florida should be the first wild card. I'd like to see that. I think I have them putting close to 100 points, maybe 99. Yep. Like, or above. Because they got goaltending now. I know. And that's the only thing they've been missing for this past two addition. years. And it should be better than it is right now. I know. So they should be, they should be making it. Montreal, it's just going to depend on... I think they're going to stay the same. And they're going to consistently play the way they have. It's yep. just going to really depend on what ha- is happening around them. Yep. Because the Rangers and Florida have made some really big changes. Absolutely. And kind of... Push, push themselves into playoff contention and we still don't really know how it's going to work out for them like the rangers yeah. it looks like it's going to it's going pretty well right now yep florida is off to a start it's just goaltending needs to get better yeah it it'll happen should get better bobrovsky will pick it up but uh that's kind of what it all depends on if florida doesn't uh pick it up montreal is probably going to make it in yeah and if Florida does pick it up, they're probably not going to make it up. That's it. And, you know, you got Carey Price, and he is – you got a guy like him. It's like having a guy like Connor McDavid as a forward. He's had some off years, Price, the past little while, but he's also a proven number one goaltender, probably still at least top three in the NHL, still for many widely considered the number one goalie in the NHL and in the world. But if he has a good year, I think they always have a shot. Yep. All right, I think that's all we have for the lineup today. Not bad. Thanks for coming on on such short notice. Oh, no worries. Really appreciate it. Love talking hockey, and uh, we made it work. We got through a lot today. Yeah, final clock in time, about an hour 54. Beautiful. So, it's a long, long episode, but uh, what? I hope someone will make it through to the end of this. Let's say, if you get through the first hour, if you get to the Canadian Roundup, we're proud of you. I appreciate that. If you make it 
to this point in the podcast and you're hearing this right now, text me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know because I will buy you something nice. There you go. There I'll you buy go. you a McChicken. <laughs> if you're lucky. If Yeah. You know what? Junior chicken. There you go. I can't. Can't do it. More realistic. I'm a poor student. That's what can it. I say? <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Alex, for coming on. See you next week or so. Thank you.